two eyes on. Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah, have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you're paid so you're for. Saying it. I should resign. So you're saying I should resign. I think that's you should, your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Okay, fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> A very affectionate greeting to all of our listeners on the national curriculum this evening. My name is Josh Parrish. We've got Nick Stoll on the show tonight. How are you, Nick? Good, good. Uh, eventful couple of days uh, for me. Uh, in one in one day, I was on a Che Guevara t-shirt, and the next day, uh, I had all sorts of people I mentioned. So we'll get into that. But anyway, uh, and it's good uh, to be here. A chilling voice from the beyond, uh, Joey Lynch, has made a huge effort to appear on the program tonight. Joey, do you want to reveal to the people why that is? Okay, nobody freak out. <laughs> This is what my voice actually sounds like. I lost it yesterday. I haven't been able to get it back since. I'm trying really hard to make myself as audible as possible. However, I figured that absolutely nobody would buy that I had lost my voice and couldn't do tonight's show if I came out and said that. So I'm here to at least get through 15 to 20 minutes. For, um, for people, uh, just to give you an insight behind the scenes as to how this thing works, we log on to this link. We're kind of in the green room or whatever. I had this going in another tab while I was preparing and researching, doing all my bits and pieces, and then a chilling voice through my headphones, um, Joey Lynch saying, Josh, can you hear me? So I'm still recovering from the panic and shock of... Uh, uh, <laughs> of Joey's voice, but um, thank you, Joey, for making the effort tonight because we have some pretty heavy, serious topics to get into. Uh, in a moment, we're going to be joined by Bo Bush from the PFA, uh, but I think to start with, we'll probably get a rundown of the statements that have been put out by the various um, governing bodies and um, powers that be uh, following the events of the Australia Cup final, the off-field events. We wish we were talking about the game in more detail tonight. We will get to the game itself later on in the show, but the uh, the topic that has dominated the discourse has been the actions of the fans. Um, the, the Football Australia statement um, talking about you know the, the way the tournament has captured the imagination uh, this year, and it was a record crowd. Um, but Football Australia prides itself on being the most multicultural, diverse and inclusive sport in Australia. Our strength as a sport is our diversity. We celebrate that football is embedded in the nation's social fabric and follows the diverse story of Australia. I'm, I'm going to skim through this. Football Australia acknowledges and strongly condemns the actions of a small minority of individuals who engaged in behaviour that is not consistent with Football Australia's values and wider community expectations. Football Australia took steps during the match to address some isolated behaviours by a small minority of individuals, including facilitating the evictions of eight people. Football Australia is today assessing all footage and images available of certain individuals which are of concern to our organisation and the broader Australian football community, including the displaying of the quote-unquote Hitler salute. Football Australia is working closely with the management of Combat Stadium and New South Wales Police to determine strong and swift action on any identified anti-social behaviour which also may also be deemed as illegal in the state of New South Wales. Football Australia also acknowledges that the noise level of the crowd during the Welcome to Country performed by Aaron Wilkins before the commencement of the game reached unacceptable levels. We regret that this occurred and reviewing all available footage and audio to further analyse the incident. 
And uh, so it goes on a little bit further. So that's what Football Australia have responded with. There've also uh, been statements from another of the other power players, Nick Stoll. Uh, yes. So AAFC on Twitter said it, the Australia Cup is a wonderful inclusive celebration of the breadth and depth of football within Australia's inclusive culture. AAFC therefore condemns the actions of the people at the game who were disrespectful to the welcome to country conducted by Erin Wilkins to the Australian national anthem and those individuals who gave what was apparently a Nazi salute. Such behavior is unacceptable and violates not only the code of conduct for football, but our values as society. The poor behavior of some people has taken the focus off what was a wonderful game and atmosphere. AAFC congratulates MacArthur FC on its win and wishes it's well for the season ahead. We've also had a response come from uh, the Jewish Board of Deputies. Joey, if you can get that one up, um, condemning in the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, condemning the display of Nazi symbols um, in the strongest possible terms. These vile symbols and salutes have no place in modern Australian society. They represent the ultimate manifestation of evil, an evil which led to the murder of millions of innocent civilians during World War II, including six million Jews and thousands of Australian diggers who lost their lives fighting against the Nazis during World War II. Reprehensible conduct such as this causes immense distress to the victims of Nazi crimes and their descendants while undermining our our cohesive multicultural society. And just before we went to air, Nick, uh, Sydney United actually came out with a statement on their social media. Yes, Sydney United 58 Football Club is concerned by reports of the actions of certain individuals at last night's Football Australia Cup final. Sydney United 58 FC has zero tolerance towards any form of discrimination, racism, sorry, disrespect, racism or discrimination, and is working closely with authorities to conduct a full investigation. The club strongly condemns any behaviour that does not reflect the wider views of the club and its loyal supporters. It is also encouraging to see the wider football community denounce this on social media. The club is deeply committed to creating an environment that is respectful and inclusive, which also allows our community members to celebrate their heritage in a meaningful and responsible way. Those that do not align themselves with these values are not welcome at City United 58 FC and their views must never be tolerated. Multiculturalism and inclusivity are two of the game's fundamental pillars and will continue to be a priority for our club and its supporters. Sydney United would like to thank the New South Wales Police, Football Australia, A-Leagues and the overwhelming majority of fans who supported this historic occasion. So, yeah, interesting that uh, Sydney United have, um, I guess, welcomed the social media backlash against um, the actions. Um, I think probably now is a good time to welcome Bo Bush, uh, the uh, co-chief executive of the Professional Footballers Association. Bo, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate you having me on, guys. Yeah, I wish it was in uh, better circumstances, Bo. But what was the, I guess, the reaction of the the PFA to to what we saw last night? I think, like a lot of people that were tuned in watching the match last night, it was just absolutely heartbreaking to see what occurred in the Welcome to Country, and then also later on some of the scenes in the crowd as well too. I think the really important point is to place ourselves. Um, perhaps not in the uh, shoes of, of the people that were targeted by that, but more importantly, to connect deeply with them and understand just how hurt they were by that. We saw a little bit earlier in the show, um, the Jewish Council, the statement they put out and just how hurtful that was. So it's really important that the sport listens to that, that we deeply engage in that discussion and that we work with these impacted communities to come up with effective responses. Because I think for so many across the country last night, what should have been a celebration for our sport and also for our country as well, became something that was truly hurtful um, and that would have been really devastating for many within the community. 
Um, Bo, uh, we've read the Football Australia statement, which was talking about a, a small minority of individuals. The fact or, uh, or otherwise that this was only a small portion of the crowd, is that, um, is that a mitigating factor here? I think it's a secondary point, Josh. I think the key part, again, is whether or not it was a significant portion or a small portion, people were harmed last night. People were really, um, would have been severely impacted by what was said, whether it was one person or many people there. So I think that's the critical part here. We don't want to minimise that harm that's been suffered by people by saying it was only a small minority. My view is that people were really impacted by what occurred last night. So it's critical that we address that and we really centre those impacted people in our response rather than simply trying to perhaps focus on other aspects of the sport. This is the most important thing that the sport needs to deal with right now. Bo, I can appreciate that you won't have had much time to absorb Sydney United statement given that we informed you to its existence a couple of minutes before we came on air, but what's your initial reaction to Sydney United's response to everything that's happened? I think it's welcome that everybody within the game and everybody, every football institution that was involved last night or connected to the sport has made a statement. So I think that's really welcome there. What I think we need to do, but is to understand what are the conditions that allowed for this to happen? You know, Australian sport is not the only sport within this country that's being challenged by these issues around systemic racism and, and these really challenging matters that we need to confront. So I think what we need to do is work through as a sport and address how are we preparing for these important matches? What due diligence are we doing around these? How are we assessing the risk to people? We're about to engage in an A-League season. We'll have pride rounds and the likes and sports very swift to celebrate its diversity. What we need to reflect on what is our responsibility and what action should be taken prior to these matches to make sure wherever possible we've done what we can to mitigate any negative impacts on people but also critical is if there are negative things that happen during a match that we have appropriate and developed ways to offer remedy to people that have been impacted as well too Joey. Bo have any of the players involved in last night's match been in dialogue with the PFA about anything they experienced were was there any abuse that they they noticed that they suffered or so uh, because obviously you know a lot of people were really hurt by what they saw on the the TV broadcast and what was heard um, but in terms of the players who were actually involved in the match did they feel safe there did were they receiving abuse from the crowd We've been in touch with all of the MacArthur players and a number of the Sydney United players. The way we're sort of structured from a membership point of view in that semi-professional space isn't a space that we normally have significant numbers of members. But I think, Josh, the overwhelming point here is everybody's entitled to be safe in their workplace. And I think if anybody was going to work and players in the public face of what occurred <coughs> last night as well too on the pitch, I think what's really important is that many players may not have felt safe last night in that type of environment. That would have been deeply troubling for a number of them as well too. In terms of any sort of interpersonal racism or anything like that, no players come forward to date with us, but we'll continue to be in touch with them over the next few days. Bo, what, what kind of action is the PFA seeking here from, from the governing body, uh, whether it's sanctions towards Sydney United, individual supporters, et cetera, and so on? 
Well, I think it's important, Josh. Our sort of part has been not just sort of advocating what others should do, but what should the players' response, what should the PFA's response be to this? And during the day today, we've had discussions with the Indigenous Football Council as well too, to understand that impact um, that last night had on those. We've reached out to the elder, Erin Wilkins, as well too, to understand her experiences from last night, and hopefully we'll be able to connect more with her over the next few days. And we've reached out to the New South Wales Jewish um, Deputies Association as well too. So that's been really important for us to actually understand the impact that last night had on them to then formulate an effective response. I think the key part, I touched on a little bit earlier, Josh, that sport is incredibly challenged by these matters. We've seen in AFL in recent weeks around huge issues around Indigenous Australia and then treatment of Indigenous players. So sport really needs to reflect on how does it protect and respect the human rights of all participants as well too. And that process is a really important one that all sports are going to need to embark to do this because simply just offering sanctions or rather imposing sanctions isn't going to be enough to tackle the systemic issues that drive this type of behaviour, mate. Ed, Joe. No, you go next time. All right. Uh, my question is, I guess, how do, maybe from the player's point of view, but Sydney United is not the only team that has issues within their fan base. Obviously, their issues are specific to them, and, and that's what we're talking about now. And I'm not going to get into every team in the country and the specific issues that they have. But how do you deal with the fact that in a crowd, there will always be, well, not always, but there, there's potentially to be some people who will do things that go against the values of society that may be illegal? Or some, how do you deal with that? Because it is a it is hard to apply rules to a blanket, you know, 16,000 people, for example. Like how, Absolutely, how Nick. Yeah, it's a really good question, mate. And I think nobody, I'm certainly not pretending this is straightforward to tackle these matters. Um, I think that, that would be extremely misleading to do so. But I think the important part with this is ahead of any match or ahead of any season, ahead of any competition that kicks off in this competition, how is the sport working through and understanding what are the risks to people? Is there a risk of racism within the crowd? How is the sport going to deal with that? What proactive steps are we taking around education? How are we engaging with fan groups to have discussions around this? How are we engaging with players? You know, if you look at the work we've been able to do with players recently, that's been around in understanding the challenges faced by our First Nations people, adopting the Uluru Statement, which Football Australia has done recently as well too. But how do we take that further and understand the importance of respecting that and why that has been such an important step for the game? And how do we involve fans, coaches, players, and everybody in those discussions and importantly in the media. So I think, Nick, in answer to your questions, it's not just going to be one thing, mate. It's going to be importantly responding in this instance now and it's going to need to be really strong response from the game. And we've seen Football Australia put out a statement um, a little earlier today. But I think importantly, it's actually proactively addressing this and then working through what are the campaigns that sit around this? What are the campaigns? How is the sport actually contributing to tackling racism in this country? Unfortunately, we've got some really good examples. We've got someone like Craig Foster that's so incredibly engaged in this space that he's constantly working through how does Australia tackle racism, but also importantly, how does football tackle racism? Not just how do we continue to benefit and celebrate our inclusivity, our multiculturalism, our diversity, but what is the sport actually doing to contribute to that and actually making the country a better place and a more safe space for everybody to come and celebrate the sport? Though, when we're looking at all of these efforts to battle racism in sport, the, how much can sport in Australia 
do to battle racism when arguably you look at broader trends surrounding Australia, treatment of asylum seekers, treatment of migrants over the course of the history of the white Australia policy, when racism in sport in Australia can argue to perhaps be reflective of some broader trends in Australian society. Absolutely, Joey. But I think if you look at when we've been at our best as a sport, let's take John Moriarty, for example. John Moriarty was called up, as all you guys would know on this call, to play for the Socceroos. Unfortunately, he didn't get the chance to. But when he was still counted as flora and fauna, then football was able to support John Moriarty and also Charles Perkins to go and get a university degree and for Charles Perkins to become the first Indigenous Australian to graduate from university. And we all know the rest is history, the impact he had on this country. So there's an example of the power of football in relation to one individual, Joey. I think then when we just saw at our World Cup qualifiers, we saw people rightly celebrate the impact of AWAMA Bill on the Socceroos and the country and speak to what we can be at our best. The challenge for sport then becomes, and particularly football, where's our voice on the plight of asylum seekers that are trying to come to this country to have a better and safer life, just like, safer life rather, just like AWA. So I think, Joey, it's a really big question, but I think Australian football has shown it has the capacity to play a role in tackling these things and, should, and certainly we should aspire to do so, mate. Does there perhaps need to be a focus maybe on sort of like bottom-up work on this front, like you're talking about there, Awamba Bell, Charlie Perkins, heroes to aspire to individuals. Does there perhaps need to be more of a focus on bottom-up work on this front at the grassroots level? Perhaps. I think there is a role but where we can play in the professional game. How does the professional game positively influence the grassroots of the sport and where do our... Um, our really iconic players, whether they be AWA or others, what role can they play in positively influencing that space? And that's something that I know from the discussions with the current generation of players, they're certainly willing to do so. And past players, as I said earlier, such as Falls, continue to do so as well, mate. So I think what we sort of have to do is we're challenged as a sport to shift out of this focus on interpersonal racism and move into how do we tackle systemic racism as well too and that's a significant challenge that not just Australian football but many other sports and indeed the entire country is faced with as well too mate. You mentioned Charlie Perkins a little while ago and it's, it's kind of a tragedy that where we're at at the moment because you know you think back to his time with some of the Croatian clubs and the ethnic clubs he said he found refuge there and felt more accepted there than he was in wider Australian society and then we have this awful moment of, of the welcome to, to country um, being disrespected last night. Um, do, do you, when we talk about I guess expanding the sport, growing the sport, potentially expanding the membership of the PFA through a potential national second division, do, do you have concerns about the, the makeup of that? when, you know, the clubs that are potentially putting themselves forward, like Sydney United, you know, we, we saw what we saw last night from their fans. I think regardless with, with any club, Josh, whether they're competing in the NPL or in the A-League or at the grassroots, we want them to positively impact the country and we want them to have a positive impact on people. So my view would be that that really doesn't change the challenge in terms of being positively impacting our country and the people within it um, really isn't contingent on what level 
these teams play at. So I think we still need to confront this regardless of whether there are plans around a national second division, whether the PFA membership becomes bigger or, or what have you. These are fundamental questions for the sport. And I think our approach should be consistent regardless of any competition we're seeking to develop because we're going to need to tackle these issues and we'll need to tackle these issues in the future in the A-Leagues as well too. Potentially when our national teams play overseas, this is a challenge that we're gonna consistently confront. What the game needs is a framework to help it navigate it. And we're not alone in needing to do that. A range of sports across this country and across the world need such a framework to be able to help it navigate this really challenging environment. Well, um, gents, do you have any more questions for Bo? <coughs> we covered it off or we've got anything coming through the um, through the comments. Yeah, um, if any of our comments do have any chance for Bo Bush, chance to ask you, questions you mean, to the co-chief, exactly. Bo, you mentioned there, I mean, obviously that like there's a endemic problems that we need to address regardless of the level that the clubs are participating at. But, you know, the if they are more visible in the national spotlight and you do have more cameras there and you do, people more people are seeing it, so potentially has more, uh, well, it has more potential to cause harm if there is more spotlight on this kind of behaviour because it reaches more people who who would be seriously hurt by it, right? Absolutely, Josh. I think that that impacts a really good point, mate, and really well made that if that is amplified on the national stage and on TV, then obviously that could hurt more people. But I think we'd all agree on this call that if one person attending a match is harmed by this, that's one too many. So I think the intent and the way that we go about tackling that really doesn't change. Maybe the urgency for some will change the need to be able to tackle this and where we put the game's resources. But I think ultimately my view would be that we still have to deal with this issue regardless of whether it's one person being harmed or thousands of people across the community like would have occurred last night. Mate. I would perhaps have, before we let Bo go, just because it was a momentous moment in the Australia Cup that has perhaps been overshadowed, but Bo, maybe a comment from you just about Ulysses de Villa, his return to football after the tragedy and the support that he's received and the way that the community's rallied around him. Yeah, I think, um, Joey, what it was absolutely tragic. I think everyone within the football community, the community that's had a chance to spend just a couple of minutes with all the understands just how special a person he is um, and what he went through in the off season is absolutely tragic. What I'd like to acknowledge is the support from that club. You know, within hours of finding out, I know that MacArthur's staff were en route to Mexico to go and be there with him. They've provided enormous support to allow him to come back. And I think ultimately what they did speaks to who we are when we're at our best. Um, and I think it's incredibly fortunate that we do still have him in the game here. And I think the support that has been afforded to him is really encouraging for what we can be and how important this sport can be to get people through what must have been just the most difficult, challenging moment for Uli's life and also his young son as well too. And to be able to lift the Australia Cup last night after everything he's been to, been through and have his young son there was a really beautiful moment. Um, Bo, we've got a question come through. I don't know if you can actually comment on this or not because it's an ongoing uh, matter, but um, another player that the PFA have been supporting is Corey Brown recently. Uh, Antonis is asking, what, what's the latest update on, on his situation, if you can provide it? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to talk in more detail, but at the moment, the matter is still ongoing and is before the NDRC. So hopefully that can be concluded soon. It's been obviously incredibly challenging. Um, 
for Corey, but also the uncertainty for all players at that club regarding what's happening. So our hope is that we can get a swift resolution there. We'll continue to support Corey and hopefully he can return into that environment and resume his playing career because that's something that, that hugely matters to him and it's been incredibly challenging. Um, he's been out of that environment for in excess of five months. So for any professional footballer to be out of that, um, be out of doing their their day job and the thing that matters most to them for that period of time would have been incredibly difficult for him. And our, our focus has been on supporting him throughout. Well, Bo, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Um, uh, we really, really appreciate um, your contribution. Um, thank you for doing what you're doing. And um, yeah, uh, welcome anytime on TNC, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate you uh, giving us an opportunity to come on tonight. Thank you, Bo. Bo Bush. Co-Chief Executive of the PFA. Thank you very much, Bo. We really appreciate uh, his time. Uh, we've got so much to get into tonight, Joey. Uh, well, I should also say open invitation to AFC, Football Australia, Sydney United, any of the major stakeholders in the game about any issue. If you want to come on like Bo has done and talk about it and speak to TNC, hopefully what I'm actually able to string together sentences without sounding like Patty and Selma, we'd love to have you on. And what an appealing invitation it is uh, from from the voice of Joey Lynch there. Uh, I think we should... Hey, uh, stud, you want to come on TNC? <laughs> uh, I think we should welcome Nick DeBarno to the podcast. Uh, Nick, all, all done with your with your AFL commitments. You can, uh, you can finally give our sport some time. Yeah, yes. Uh, hello, everybody. Sorry for the delayed introduction. Uh, yeah, just had to round out some AFLW commitments today and before I could jump on. So yeah, I was just waiting for the press conferences to get all uploaded and everything and then could uh, file some quotes. But here and now, um, you know, obviously, it's a, we've got to get into quite a big point here in regards to what happened last night. And uh, again, thanks to Bo Bush as well for jumping on and uh, lending a bit of his time on a Sunday night to sort of, I guess, uh, you know, go into more detail about the PFA stance and everything that happened last night. Uh, we've uh, got a good comp here for Joe's voice. Sean Dyche. <laughs> good shout, Sam. Uh, J- Joey, uh, are you sending the ball up the guts to the, to the big man this week? <laughs> i got to admit, I didn't initially make the link. I was looking in the comments for who he was responding to in the comments. <laughs> uh, Joey, just so we don't have to put up with your voice anymore, do we? Uh, do you want to do you want to say your piece and, and kind of get all the things that you want to get out there? Uh, well, I mean, as I've reflected on last night's game, I think my preeminent emotion was just sadness and regret. I don't think there's any winners in this entire thing. Mm. There are just various degrees of losers. I mean, I don't think anybody that operates in good faith in Australian football is demanding that clubs shed their pasts and presents and just emerge as homogenous blank canvases. I mean, there was a banner at last night's game with Forever Croatia on it. I have no problem with that. I'm happy for clubs to do that. I like seeing clubs do that. I've repeatedly said in the past that clubs should be able to celebrate their histories with their own traditional names, traditions, badges and colours. I, I like to think my record on that is long-standing and acknowledged. But that level of respect isn't endless and there are expectations of reciprocation of respect coming the opposite direction and 
we discussed on the semi-final um, after Sydney United upset um, Brisbane in the semi-final that we were hoping that the game wouldn't be overshadowed. And here we are right now. It's unfortunate. Um, I don't think not performing a salute expressly tied with a regime responsible for the industrialised extermination of millions of people and the deaths of millions more through a bloody war of conquest. It's not a high bar to reach not performing that salute. In fact, for the past 80 years, it's been one of the lowest bars that society has. Nazi's bad is generally well accepted, but so it's not difficult past, you know, I acknowledged some other stuff that happened last night. Chance Croatia's got a long and contested history and their quest for independence has that. But Nazi salutes are, should be pretty simple, I think, and I don't think it should be controversial to say you don't like seeing them further. As Bo Bush said, one of my very few actual tweets on this matter was about the welcome of country. I was disappointed. I think the welcome to country is important. It's not about a welcome to Australia. You don't need to be welcomed to Australia if you're Australian. You're being welcomed to the traditional lands of our First Nations people as a marker of respect. So um, obviously there's still an investigation to come out of that. And if the PA system or something is found to have been lacking, that's something we'll have to revisit. But it was disappointing at the time. I mean, I've always felt welcome whenever I've gone to any Croatian club in the past, and I, I hope that I'll be welcome in the future. Um, you know, my concerns, my lamentations, they're not directed at the mums and dads, the junior players, uh, the volunteers that make up these clubs that have helped produce countless socceroos over the years. My lamentations aren't directed at them. I think we saw, I saw a tweet from our colleague, Marissa Lordanik, um, at ESPN and from the Far Post podcast who tweeted about that not wanting, you know, those elements doesn't mean you want to get rid of people of an ethnic background. The two are separate things. Um, so I think it's just important to acknowledge that. And I welcome, um, I'm glad to see that Sydney United have put out this statement talking about zero tolerance and denouncing it and being willing to engage on the matter. I'm really glad to see that and I hope <coughs> and I hope we will see cooperation on that moving forward because I know, Josh, you're going to talk to this matter a lot more and you'll say it better than I can in my current state, but the changes that are going to come on this run are going to come from inside the community internally if they want to change and if the drive is there. And, you know, ultimately, it's going to be up to them. I can obviously have my nuanced take and my respect for these clubs and their history, but others, potential sponsors, potential backers might not be, you know, not see all the different shades of grey and that's going to adversely affect them moving forward and it won't just adversely affect the senior side. It will affect juniors. It will affect other clubs. So I think that's important. As I saw, as I said, I'm not don't <coughs> don't want to tar everybody, but it's something that you have to acknowledge, and you can't just pretend it didn't happen. 
Well, well said, Joey. Um, have a drink. Not of water. well said, but I hope the message was <laughs> got through. Yes, uh, have a drink of water. Have a lozenge. Um, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I look to to full disclosure. I've just come off an overnight shift. I didn't want to get the words wrong tonight. We usually fly by the seat of our pants on TNC, but I didn't feel like it was the show to do it. So I, uh, you know, we've read out a lot of statements tonight. Um, so I'm going to add mine uh, to the mix. Um, I, I wanted to say a few words, not about what we saw in the crowd last night, but about the response to it. Um, it should go without saying that everyone on this podcast condemns the politics and the iconography of fascism in the strongest possible terms. Um, it has no place in football, nor does it have a place in civilised society at large. And ultimately, we can have our little Twitter pile on and we can score points with the people who already agree with us in our little bubble. Um, and that public backlash may, in some small way, pressure uh, the governing bodies to take action. Um, but those voices from the outside won't resonate with the people responsible, um, nor will though with those turning a blind eye to what's happening under their noses. And I did I, I did write this before um, before Sydney United came out with their statement. But if anything, um, you know, the, the pilot simply exacerbates the 17-year schism in our sport and reinforces the victimhood complex of those that maintain that we're we're on a witch hunt. And and. Joey, you mentioned it. It's not fair to tar every Sydney United or Croatian-Australian football fan. And I, I include um, multiple clubs in this because the Crow Cup was on um, this weekend and there were uh, supporters from a lot, of, a lot of different clubs supporting them. Um, it's not fair to tar every single one of them with the same brush. Um, Marissa tweeted last night, um, ethnic isn't a synonym for fascist. And that's absolutely true. Um, the fa like, For example, you know, the... Talking about you know sweeping generalisations, the fan base that caused by far the most crowd trouble in NPL Victoria last season was actually Melbourne Victory. But I'm not about to claim that you know those morons who started a brawl in Springvale are reflective of the average Melbourne Victory supporter. Nor am I about to call for Victory to be permanently thrown out of the competition. Now, these these actions are those of the extremist fringe, and that is important to note. Um, I'm I'm not. Also not prepared to conclude that Nazism is a sincerely held ideology of a majority of Sydney United fans. Um, operating at some distance here, but my impression is there is a, a lot of attention-seeking and trolling behaviour at play from, let's be honest, predominantly young men showing off to their mates and making sport of triggering the snowflake lefties. But just because you're quote-unquote joking, it doesn't make offensive gestures, chants or banners acceptable. Um, it in turn gives plausible deniability to the, to the smaller minority who genuinely harbour these, these problematic views. So at the end of the day, any self-reflection or cultural reform has to be led from inside the community to have any true impact. Um, the sad fact is these guys are not going to listen to the likes of us. And that's why... And Sydney United's statement is a good start, but I'm still sorely disappointed by the apparent abdication of responsibility from the power brokers at these clubs. Whether it's staying silent, bending over backwards to indulge the behaviour, finding more and more outlandish excuses as to why someone might be holding a stiff right arm at a 45 degree angle, and I've seen a lot of that on social media, um, that only exacerbates the problem under your nose. So I'm, I'm calling on the, the community and club leaders whose voices carry weight to take action, if not for genuine moral reason, then uh, moral reasons, then in the pure self-interest of your clubs. Because how 
Are you going to attract commercial partners if this is your reputation? Do you want to be involved at the top level of the game in this country or not? Would you prefer to play the role of the scorned outsider for 17 more years decrying the injustices you've suffered? You know, if you want this national second division to succeed and you want in, you, you can't stick your head in the sand any longer. It's time to clean house. Yeah. That's what I have to say on the matter. Well said, Josh and Joey. Um, again, similar to both of you guys, I decided to take the emotion out of it last night and not say anything because I think a lot of us think sometimes, you know, we say things in the heat of the moment and obviously it's time to sort of, you know, reflect and think a little bit about, you know, what happened last night. Um, I could definitely say and second Josh's point, but definitely condemn what happened last night with the the minority of fans that, you know, were were saluting and the the symbolism of it and it's an awful, awful look, putting it bluntly. Uh, a gripe that I had that really frustrated me last night was the the blanketed approach of, all right, you know, because it's a small section of fans, let's throw it basically a, a blanket over all ethnic clubs, not just Croatian clubs, ethnic clubs. I saw some takes in regards to bringing back NCIP, or maybe NCIP was a good thing after all, because, you know, it, it basically didn't allow any of this. And when I heard that, I'm not going to lie, my skin crawled because... Being, you know, sub, I think all of us have grown up, you know, in the local football scene and, you know, been around, whether it is, you know, going to clubs, uh, Croatian clubs, like, you know, going to a Melbourne Knights game here in Melbourne or Dandenong City or St. Albans or it might be, or going to any club, whether it's an Italian club, a Greek club, a Macedonian club, whatever it might be. We need to embrace those heritages. And throwing a blanket over all of them is not fair. You know, it, it's, it, is, it is not fair in the slightest because NTIP, you know, that, the, think about... For people who don't really remember how big of a deal NCIP was and what it meant, it meant that you couldn't have a flag the size like this big on the back of a jersey, an Italian flag on the back of Avondale's jersey, and how much that that caused in terms of the, what NCIP was. And I don't want to see it go back to that. So people crying loud saying, oh, we should bring it back, or you know, maybe it was a good thing after all. No, I still think we need to celebrate our heritage. And this is the act of, as Josh said, few fans who, in my opinion, similar to you, Josh, attention-seeking behavior, you know, um, seeing people, you know, saying, oh, look, you know, look what I did on TV. Because at the end of the day, look, they get, no, they, they, you know, get their faces everywhere. For some of these people, they just don't care. And, you it's know, no we can, riding. we can, yeah, exactly. And, and we can say, as, my, as you said, Josh, you know, people on Twitter saying, you know, we need to be louder with our voices and everything. We can be as loud as possible, but we need to direct it in the right places. We need to be asking the questions of the, the governing bodies, the powers that be. They're the ones that need to act. You know, we need Football Australia to, to come down hard in this situation. Football New South Wales as well is another party in all this, considering Sydney United are still under the Football New South Wales umbrella right now. But also, as mentioned, it's a good start from the Sydney United powers that be. But words are only words without action. And action at the end of the day is what needs to happen from here. Now, these people, sort them out. They should be banned, hundred percent. It's it's as simple as that. So, you know what? Um, I, I'm going to leave it at that because you know we've sort of all said you know probably all sort of harping on the same stuff here. But yeah, I, I just hope that you know we can we can move in a better, in a more positive direction from here. So I'm hoping that we can stamp this out. I hope that you know from now on in we can move on and, and head in a more positive direction, especially as we go towards national second division and this this that hopefully can expand the code in this country. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's that's sort of all I want to say on it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, last night potentially did irrevocable damage to the chances of a second division happening and or succeeding. And that's what I'm wrestling with at the moment. I'm hoping that's not the case. And I'm hoping that clubs can clean house from the inside, that there can be strong action taken from the governing bodies um, and you can take some steps to fix this. I'm just, I just want to see an appetite from <coughs> the clubs themselves. Um, mm. Because, yeah, Joey? Well, yeah, just before we move on to discussion of the National Second Division ramifications, another thing I also just wanted to come back and add my voice to something that Bo said as well, just as much as I acknowledge um, by not tarring a wide swathe of people with the same brush and acknowledging that it's a complex situation, I also want to um, acknowledge, as Bo said, that a lot of people were hurt last night not um, outraged or upset. There were people that were hurt by that and that needs to be taken into account as well, just as important as it is to make sure that you don't tar people who are undeserving of said tarring with the same brush. It's also important to acknowledge that whilst these though, like Nazi salutes are not what we want to see, a Nazi salute for the members of this panel doesn't carry the same weight as an individual who lost family members to the death camps. It's important to keep that in mind. It's important that Indigenous populations here in Australia, First Nations people, reconciliation is not a complete act and it's important to acknowledge that even if there was no offence intended and they couldn't hear and there was genuinely Sydney United people and MacArthur fans couldn't hear the welcome to country, so they sang over it. It's still important to acknowledge that that's an important thing for First Nations people, and we need to um, um, acknowledge that and work towards fixing that as well. So, the actions of a minority can have a huge impact. Yeah, so it's important Absolutely. to acknowledge that just as much as the same time as we don't want to paint vast pictures of you know and throw a blanket over everybody. We also need to be remember and acknowledge that people have been hurt by this. Um, Stoll, you were the only one of us who was actually in the stadium last night. Um, did it come across any differently in person than it did on, on TV and on Twitter? I would say in my personal, individual experience, extremely so. Like unbelievably so. Like the contrast between what was happening on social media and what was happening in my experience in the stadium, was completely different. So I will just give the context for what I did, and maybe Joey will mute himself while we he eats so we don't hear him chew. Um, <laughs> no, it's not muted. You're saying it is muted, but we can hear you say it is we muted. We can definitely hear you, Joey. <laughs> um, not anyway. anymore. I think it's all good. Yeah, I, I've muted him. All good. So I went to the uh, stadium last night because I thought last night I was anticipating this was a wonderful moment for our game in terms of it was the first time you had an MPL club in the Australia Cup final. And it was an MPL club that historically had always been, you know, is one of the most famous teams in Australian football history. And it was their moment to be back at the highest level, you know, as an equal. And, and I think it was so important. And it, I was very excited to go and I was lucky enough to go Um I ended up sitting in the uh, MacArthur kind of director's box, which was an interesting experience for me, given um, 
you know, I thought that was what I was going to come on to talk about tonight. The awkwardness of me sitting uh, with a bunch of MacArthur. They were very nice. Had a great time. Um, Clearly not listeners to the podcast last season. No, thank God. <laughs> but MacArthur, I love it. Azani this year. Wow, what a player. Anyway, <laughs> I went to the stadium. Look, I'm going to the stadium. I don't hear or see any fascism, Nazism, whatever. And, you know, not to go into it too much. I would say my personal politics, very much the opposite side of the spectrum. So, you know, not that I'm going to willfully ignore any of this stuff. Anyway, I, I go into the stadium. You know, I, I see a few people outside, catch up with them all good. Da, da. I go in, I'm probably sitting out, you know, five minutes before Tony Popovich and Milos Tijovsky walk out with the trophy. Atmosphere is building. You can see this is a massive moment not only for Sydney, United Sydney Croatia fans, but the whole Croatian community, because I did see Brisbane Croatia jersey and Melbourne Croatia jerseys. Now I'm sitting on the halfway line, kind of more towards the MacArthur end side. I gotta say MacArthur even had, you know, a small amount of active support, but they were singing and you know, I fully respect that as well. The trophy comes out, the Sydney Croatia end explodes, absolutely explodes. It was incredibly loud coming from there. Then as the players come out, you know, they're going absolutely crazy. What then happens is the PA system does say, okay, it's time for a welcome to country, blah, blah, blah. Where I'm sitting on the halfway line in the director's box, I could hear it relatively clearly. I'm not saying, you know, it was a deafening announcement, but it was, okay, That that's what's happening now. I totally understand having also been in many active bays over the years while you couldn't hear what was going on in that section. And I think they had been waiting for that moment. Their team has just come out. They've exploded with things. This might be naive. I do not think the intention of, I'm not saying, I'm not speaking for all of them because obviously there's a bunch of Nazis in there and they should be in jail and worse or whatever. But I don't, I really do not think the feeling that I got was that this was not a, you know, oh, I'm against welcome to country or whatever. I think any speech that was happening in that moment that was interrupting their song, their celebration would have annoyed them. Now, what basically happened, they kept chanting through it. They just kept going with it. I That was disappointing. I obviously, you know, I was like, nah, that's shit. You know, this is also some coming from someone who's been to plenty of invasion day marches since I was a kid. So, you know, it, it's all, I understand the importance of this thing. Then as it kind of continued, it's true. I think that they did show MacArthur fans on the big screen. Then there was booing. That's how I interpreted. I did not interpret it as they are booing the welcome to come. It didn't feel like a political statement. Again, this might be naive and I'm not speaking for every single person in there, but I, I think this all has a context. Now, does it make it excusable? No, but I think it should be explained what happened. Then the anthem plays, and there's been talking about, oh, they sang through the anthem. In fact, they didn't sing through it. They sang the anthem. This is, I'm talking about this is the um, Croatia fans. They did sing it quicker than the woman who was doing the official song. Once they had finished, they then started to, chant Sydney Croatia, Sydney Croatia. They probably started chanting it when she was in the last two sentences of the anthem. Is that the best way to act? Probably not. 
But I think this is important to say all this. This is what happened because I'm sure people, many people weren't even watching the game, have just scrolled onto social media and they're saying they have, you know, booed the welcome to country, which you would think, why? Are they against Indigenous people? Obviously, some are the Nazis. I, I, I don't think we should say that all of them are against it. It didn't feel like that was the political statement they were making. Then are they against the Australian anthem? I don't think so. I really did not get that vibe at all. So there are separate issues. Now, the third issue is the chant, the Zen verb. I don't even know how to pronounce the chant. At certain times, they were doing a call and response chant, which I didn't understand. I asked the people around me, some of who were, who were Croatian, what are they saying? And everyone said, don't know, not sure, da, da, da. This also happens in football. We've all been in stadiums where chants are happening and you can't actually work out whether it's in your language or not, that these chants are happening. So I understand why, for example, you know, it's not immediately called out on the broadcast or something. Oh, they're doing the chant. I, I didn't know the chant. So, for example, I took a photo, posted on social media, you know, great atmosphere, da-da-da, step forward. Which Because I was thinking at the time that this was a step forward for the game. The fact that you have an MPL team, in a final, this is what we've been talking about. This is for, for months, for years, we've been saying, this is what we want to see. And the, also the other thing to mention is the Nazi salutes and stuff. From where I was sitting, halfway line, 65 metres away from the Sydney United active end, you couldn't tell if someone had their one arm up because many people had many arms up. Like you just literally cannot see 65 metres maybe 10, 15, 20. I, I don't know how many people were doing a Nazi salute. Now I go on social media and I see, you know, the one fat, ugly dude doing it. Another couple of people doing it. You know, at least three or four people did it. And it, it is disgusting. And maybe this is naive. Amount, but I, to me, I'm just like in a crowd of 16,000 people, there will be some of the most reprehensible dickheads you will ever come across in your life this is how it just is in society it's disgusting i hate it but i also you know i understand that i i just maybe maybe we are too accepting of it maybe we are too naive to it but it should also point out that for example just a few weeks ago atletico madrid played real madrid in a derby we talked about it on stan sport fc there are many many artists in the Atletico Madrid active end, full on, the same, the same uh, flags, salutes, Lazio happens all the time, right? Nick Dabano, you were talking about it before. There's all this talk of, you know, how do we? It should be called out. It should be, but do you call it out every before the game that? Sydney United are playing MacArthur in the final. Caveat, Sydney United have a Nazi element of fans. There are some fans of them who are clearly Nazis. Do we do that when Atletico Madrid play every game? Do we do that with Lazio? I just think like th there was such a call last night that everyone had to kind of call and be on the exact same page. And there was, and people were very critical of people inside the stadium. 
But my experience being inside the stadium, if I had not had Twitter, I would not have even known that anything really had gone wrong other than the 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 interrupting of Welcome to Country or the not staying silent of Welcome to Country. That's really the only thing that I would have been like, oh, that was a disgrace. Mm. But for, I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear from other people who were sitting in the ground, especially away from the Sydney United section. You know, I didn't see the... Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly it, it clearly came across differently depending on where you were sitting, depending on whether you had the game or on TV. I Honestly, I did not hear any of the pre-match stuff because I flicked it on on kickoff, but my uh, you know impression was that it sounded horrendous on the coverage, uh, whether that was to do with the effects mic setup, whether that was to do with the PA system, whether it was mm. genuinely, you know, one of the most disrespe- disrespectful, offensive, racist things we've ever seen. I'm actually not sure. Um, but yeah, clearly... Um, you know, I, I saw a, a, quite a lot of backtracking from people who were at the game like you, Nick, and were, you know, delighted by how raucous the atmosphere was and then had to, you know, once they saw all the stuff that had come out from people watching the game at home who had, had you know, who'd seen the shots of the cameras in the crowd and stills going around and so forth, um, you know, had, it's, then had to backtrack from there. Um, it's also but, a very different experience, can I just say, like, like you're talking about the audio. So the audio of... The woman's welcome to country. Sorry, I forget her name. But her welcome to country, it comes through clearly through the TV. I watched the broadcast back. The Sydney United fans were so loud that I think the first, and she's probably only like 15 metres, 20 metres away from me. For the first two, three sentences, I could barely hear what what she was saying. So we probably should have had that part of the ceremony earlier before the teams had walked out might have been, in in hindsight, the smarter way to do things. Look, the, the ideal situation is that they shut up during this. Yeah. Like, and like, like Joey says, have some, it's not have that hard. respect, you know. Yeah, they and they should be criticised for that. But I also... And it has been revealed that James Johnson was on the phone to the woman that performed the Welcome to Country, Aaron Wilkins, Aaron Wilkins, while the game was still on. So it was a rapid reaction from the Football Australia CEO. Yeah, and... So I just think it's like, my point is they absolutely should shut up during that and they should show respect. Like it's in, it's completely offensive that they don't. But I, what, what I'm trying to say, I don't know if I'm being clear, is that I don't think it was a political like, oh, guys, you don't welcome think it country. was a pointed political statement. No. In I do not think okay. That's that interesting. the Sydney, and that might be totally naive. Now, w- when I'm saying that, there definitely are people in that group who, yeah, of course they hate the welcome to country thing. Of course they do. But of the 16,000, which 12,000 probably were Sydney Croatia fans, to me it seems wrong to say that they are all, it seems incorrect that they are are against the welcome to country. I I think uh, this comes back to the sort of irresistible central dichotomy that we were greeted with last night and it was all the storyline leading up to the game and it was what we saw um you know um like play out which was there was two clubs that were so diametrically opposed in every possible way you know you've got one team with this raucous fan base who take things too far on occasion and did some unacceptable gestures and etc and so on uh versus a team where not enough people are invested for you to ever have any kind of crowd controversy. 
you know mm. they just no one shows up so it's a tree falling in a forest like you know you you, you you're not going to have this kind of uh, abhorrent behavior because the simple fact is that the group chanting behind the goals isn't big enough for people to feel that sense of anonym anonymity and anonymity sorry and it's you know mm. it's the old soccer new football thing it's um do we have this kind of sanitized dead atmosphere where we don't offend anybody do we have a raucous atmosphere whereby there's a real potential for harm and those are two shit options those that's a, not a choice i want to make but it's yeah. it seems like the, you know that was the um the contrast we were greeted with so i think there's three kind of issues one is the nazi salutes those people just ban, ban them, them permanently like, arrest them like as far as i understand it is a crime in this state to do that arrest them put them on a watch list put him in jail no problems okay th- that's how it should be played joe if you're trying to say something you're muted you guys keep micing me on the thing when I already muted my microphone at home. But yeah, that is the thing. There is no ambiguity surrounding so, that. It's the a Nazis. Nazi, it's a Nazi salute. Like, yeah, and 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 the people yeah. I saw someone saying that oh maybe they were waving to yeah okay no, no one was waving all right is that's the didn't happen of the year Wayne yeah, Hennessy yeah, excuse absolutely all over again yes yeah. it, it would be hilarious if it wasn't so blatantly offensive. Okay, so actually a good point, uh, Lazar Eleven makes here in the comments is the Ustazi flag. I will be honest with you. I, I, I don't really know well the history of the Balkan politics, I would assume. Like a lot of people, probably in Australian, the nuances. I, I That flag that people had, probably I saw it last night, didn't even recognize it. That's honestly, like that's my own, you know, naivety, my own ignorance for sure. But... I understand those flags, if they're brought into the stadium, like we've had in the past that, you know, I remember, and this was, you know, under the old policy, but you could at least bring elements back to it. You can identify certain flags. You're allowed to bring the Croatian flag in, no problem. The Ustazi flag, you're not allowed to bring in. To me, that's a fine policy to have. And, And you can have that not only for the Croatians, but there are many flags throughout history that don't no longer represent the country, but represent an ideological element of the country, right? I think that should be dealt with in that way, that's security. The welcome to country, I think, is an issue of implementation and education. I really think at the point that maybe the people who knew what was happening and continued to sing, clearly they do not understand and haven't been educated to the point where they understand the need for respect for this tradition. And uh, then especially it's so hypocritical if you mm. know, I've I've seen uh, some backlash on social media, you know, backlash to the backlash essentially. I'm like, oh, all this woke PC Aboriginal yeah. agenda or whatever. I'm like, come on. Like this is a group of people who are, you know, came to this country because they were refugees and they were persecuted and they feel that, you know, they're they're an oppressed minority. And then you have no empathy for another group of people who have suffered such great historical injustice. It's so hypocritical. I cannot get over that, that, yeah, that hypocrisy there. Um, I think Antonis Pagonis makes a good point in the comments about um, banners like the EP on the Nazi background should also be identified. I totally agree, 100%. You can, like, security just have, like, a, 
piece of paper in front of them of like well we've already seen reports that that flag was raised as an issue by football australia in the lead into the game and it was said to stand for denzel park so it was allowed to be brought in to be honest i like i understand the, the trouble that you have like if someone it, it's hard like the first time i saw that flag i didn't know what it was someone had to explain it to me like so i don't know but you you identify a bunch of flags and they're not allowed to come into the stadium and, and bags get searched anyway because of da 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 and those flags get uh, confiscated and potentially you can even make it even harsher that the person who tried to bring it in it's a banned you know item is no is not allowed to <laughs> the stadium, right? no problem then you have the final thing is the chant the call and response chant. This to me is very complicated because I personally do not understand the history of Croatian politics and has it has been explained to me like that it's very complex and that, yeah, for sure, some people might be chanting that, you know, it's a tribute to fascism and, you know, all that horrendous shit. But it's also explained to me that there are other reasons that people might be making that chant. Mm. And, I, and I just think that is a harder thing to say. I just don't understand. Like, I'm just ignorant to that, to be honest with you. And I don't feel really confident. And that's why people, why, don't, why, why aren't you denouncing the chant? I don't understand the chant. I don't understand it. I don't understand the history behind it. I don't understand. I, I think I, you need a PhD in the history of Balkan nationalism to feel qualified it's a it's a matter of enormous controversy mm. in croatia as to whether that chant is acceptable there is a precedent set uh where you know aussie turned croatian international josip Simonic led that chant with a group of supporters and was banned for i think 10 games by fifa so there is a precedent there for cracking down on it but again i don't i don't really feel i, I find i'm uncomfortable with it but i i couldn't conclusively you know come down on it because I'm, i just don't have the the knowledge yeah and like and by the way like it's not necessarily excuse that we don't understand it but i think just so people know that it becomes very tough to like you know i don't want to call a bunch of people nazis who aren't you know I, like i i don't understand the channel i didn't understand it in the moment uh, i still yeah it's, it's extremely complex it just requires a very nuanced probably conversation and a nuanced response well i mean we've been talking about this for an hour um i think it's a topic that's probably going to continue to come up as investigations are um completed and um you know the sanctions are handed down or not by um people of power but i i would just um i would just hope that those who actually have a voice within these clubs um, who people will actually listen to, those who are carrying out this behaviour might actually listen to. You know, act in your own self-interest. Protect your club's reputation. You know, protect your club's commercial viability here um, because this this image is just not going to fly in Australia. You know, we say we want like a European-style atmosphere and we kind of got a glimpse of one with all of its flaws. 
last night and yeah, kind of scared a lot of people so it's, off. It's not, it's not just self-interest. It's also best interest as well. When I think about Sydney United, I want to think about David Zrilic, Graham Arnold, Tony Popovich, Marco Rodan, the countless Socceroos that they've produced. I want to think about that talent factory they've got sitting in football's heartlands producing countless young talents that can go on and play for the Socceroos or Croatia. You know, Ivan Vujicic, you know, played for Croatia's junior national teams. If that's where the heart goes, I want that. I want to be talking about that when we're talking about Sydney United and the people in charge of the custodians of that legacy. They are the ones that are acting on behalf of the next generation of youngsters, the next generation of people that are going to learn about the club. It's not just their actions aren't just going to affect them. They're going to affect the Sydney United name for years and years. Well, if, if I was a Sydney United fan, I would be furious. I would be absolutely furious at these idiots for for now ruining what should have been and could have been an amazing celebration of the club. You mentioned should have. It's exactly the next point I was going to make. This should have been about the, what was happening on the on the on the pitch. Between uh, when you cross that white line, what was going on there with the first ever NPL club going up against, you know, the first ever NPL club in an Australia Cup final taking on MacArthur. It should have been about, you know, their fantastic journey on the field. And I feel for the players and I feel for the people at the club, you know, in that sense of, you know, as you mentioned, Stoll, the Sydney United supporters who aren't in that in that group. Um, and also then as well, you, you can't help but in this whole thing feel a little bit bad that, you know, the great story of, you know, MacArthur winning the Australia Cup has kind of been lost in all this as well, you know, like the great, I mean, we'll get into it soon, but Ulysses Stavila's great story of, you know, winning the Australia Cup as a captain and being, you know, awarded the Mark Viduka medal, you know, months after such a personal tragedy and, you know, Dwight York winning a, a trophy in the first few months of being a, a senior head coach and their rise back up, you know, in, in the early stages. And it's, it's just, it's just really sad. Because the Australia Cup, it's such a beautiful tournament. You know, it's it's such a great tournament. We've said it so many times. There's nothing like it in this country. And it's just a shame that the big stage, national television, you know, we speak about, you know, getting the Australia Cup on as many eyeballs as possible. And it's always a real challenge to get, you know, that, that extra bit of interest in the Australia Cup. Hell, you guys spoke about it one of the weeks I wasn't on about... You know, Australia Cup doesn't even have a commercial sponsor. You know, what's this going to do for future opportunities, you know, mm. with the Australia Cup? You know, the Australia Cup struggles to get paper space, struggles to get airtime as it is. It's relegated to, uh, to, to to 10 places at the moment. So it's hard, you know, and when they get the opportunity on free-to-air, you know, a, a big final with a great storyline going into it as it was, it's a shame that what actually happened on the pitch got so overshadowed not just a little bit overshadowed it got blanketed by what happened yeah. in the crowd and you know what again like and and it's just mate it, i'm gonna be honest it's it just it, it really really sucks like it just really really sucks and you know i'm i can't help but just feel like we've all i think we've all got just this real bitter taste in our mouth about how we've been left out of saturday night and it really shouldn't be like that it really really shouldn't be like that I, I don't know how, like, everybody <laughs> does it or whatever. <laughs> As Joey, Joey coughs up a lung on stream. Um, 
so I, I just think like, like you say, like this is a wonderful competition and maybe it's naive to me, but to me, it doesn't tarnish the Australia cup. It definitely tarnishes Sydney United. It definitely needs to be addressed. It can't be ignored. It, you know, there needs to be consequences. But in the same way, I don't know. I love La Liga. There are, there are, there are fascist supporters in La Liga. I hate the fascists. I hate them. But mm. it, it, I can separate these assholes from the thing that we love, which is the Australia Cup. And I and, and but the, the tough thing you're right, Debano, is maybe sponsors can't. Maybe the mind of the public can't. And the worst thing would be if people associate in the same way that people do with the NSL, they associate oh fascism and you know ethnic conflict and whatever with the competition. And they they are not they they should not be linked. And maybe that's why also you need a strong response so that over the future, you can say, well, that was an isolated incident and it is not reflective of the overall cup competition itself. Well, the whole thing is still super raw at the moment. Um, I mean, I personally was very upset by it um, and it's just a, it's a real low moment for, for the sport. And, you know, this podcast has probably been one of the biggest advocates of NPL clubs, the Australia Cup and the National Second Division by and large. Um, and it becomes difficult to support that stuff if this is the racist element that you're bringing. So mm. um, it needs to be stamped out. Um, yeah. I think we're all in agreement with that. If they don't, they can't join the second division. Like that, yeah. If they don't stamp it, obviously not. It's un- yeah. it's untenable. So, so it stamp becomes it out. Im- it becomes impossible to to support. But stamp it out, and then there is a path forward. I believe. Uh, Joey, uh, you are struggling there. I do want to let you go. Is there more stuff that you wanted to talk about in, um, with the, with the last of your voice? Yeah, two points. One, I keep coming back to one statement around the city United, again, acknowledging the hurt that was felt in the indigenous communities, Jewish communities, their line about, which also allows our community members to celebrate their heritage in a meaningful and responsible way. I think that's the best outcome. That's one of the best outcomes we're all involved. We want to see that happen. We don't want to just burn our old helm. We don't want that. We just, but we want everybody to celebrate equally. We want it to be a genuine celebration. So I keep coming to that, back to that in the statement. I'm encouraged to see that in the statement from Sydney United, their desire to work forwards. Um, and yeah, so I'm pleased to see that that statement was released. The other thing I wanted to touch on not so much related to the actual thing, but the ramifications of it. We're talking about sponsorships. The Australia Cup is a Football Australia property. This incident has occurred at Combank Stadium. Commonwealth Bank are also the number one naming rights sponsors of the Matildas. What are they thinking right now? What is Cadbury thinking right now? What is Subway thinking right now? This, I, if I'm Football Australia, I imagine I almost certainly were probably leaning on Sydney United to release that statement because I imagine they are now in crisis mode trying to ensure that people that aren't looking at this in a nuanced sense and trying not to paint everybody with the same brush like we are, 
potentially people that exist in boardrooms of high level commercial companies and just see risk in that, that they're not walking away. So I think that's maybe one of the reasons we've seen Focal Australia release a second statement today, Sydney United have released a statement today, because this could have potential ramifications, not just for the National Second Division, but other Football Australia properties. Joey, with that, do we want to bid you good night because it's causing um, me physical pain to, to hear the, uh, the struggle <laughs> in your voice. We appreciate everything you've said, but the way you've yeah. said it, oh, Although, it, really Joey, it really, it really does hurt. I, I, fantastic, fantastic effort, Joey. To, to never never going to doubt your ticker again, Joey. Never going to well, doubt your ticker. As I said at the start of the show, I think if I tweeted out that I couldn't go on today because I'd lost my voice, I would have had about a hundred people calling bullshit um, on that. So I am going to depart now. My final message is that uh, Daniel Arzani is going to win the Johnny Warren medal. said it last week. I'll say it again. I was the one that said it first. Thank you, Joey. Good night, mate. Uh, Rest up. Hey, guys. We know you love your footy, but perhaps you fancy a bit of rugby too. If so, then why not check out ESPN Scrum Reset? where Sam Bruce and Christy Doran discuss all the hot topics in the game, from Super Rugby to the Wallabies and All Blacks, and even further afield. Available wherever you get your pods. Um, let's talk about some of the good stuff. There was <laughs> Before good... we do, can we make fun of Joey a little bit? <laughs> Sam, <laughs> talking about respect, he spent 30 minutes doing an impersonation of the Queen. Joey made some amazing points just then, all right? And I fully respect it. Oh my god, it was hard not to laugh at certain points. Like, I think someone said in the comments, <laughs> "I'm showing all my strength to not make fun of him." That was right. I was. Do you I know? Was, my brain was going overboard. Do you know the worst part is because I could see you were struggling, Stoll. It's like a chain reaction. Oh, then I was bad. like starting. To, I was there was even before the show. Like when I quickly came for the meeting. I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be tough." This I is laughed be the tough. second I heard it. I started laughing at it. I mean, Ben Smith, yeah. a friend of the pod, man, Fred Durst did not act you well. This, <laughs> this is the problem. Very serious issues, but sometimes the comments just have gold. And, uh, you know, but like people are saying, we, we do. It was yeah. very good that Joey came on. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. We do. We do need to. Is this the way of getting a like a, a butter menthol sponsorship or a, you know, a, 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 a strepsil sponsorship or something? Oh, it's like it's amazing. Like people are saying, Patty and Selma, um, and Donuts, SpongeBob. <laughs> oh my goodness! Just like you know, I mean, the, what would have been the best? Well, it would have been the best if we avoided all this Nazi fascism bullshit. You know, and we had a great Australia Cup final, and then he still came on and had that voice. Oh, we could have roasted him from minute oh. one, mate. If, the, if the Nazis I mean, ruined, in my many jokes. ways, the greatest tragedy of what yeah, happened. You know, exactly. that we, we that we Honestly. didn't get to spend the whole time giggling about Joey's accent. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I've been on the brunt of all these pun jokes and you know oh. the the dating app jokes, and now all of a sudden there's an opportunity to take the piss out of Joey, and it's like, oh well, we can't do it now. Yeah, you know, that's and, right. That's right. There's a new one as well. Vince being rich. That's the new one that we have to hammer home. All right. Vince is a billionaire. That's the new yeah. one. <laughs> I, I think we're going to get into the documentaries a bit later in the, yeah. in the run. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the game itself a little bit. Um, Daniel Azani, especially in the first 25 minutes of the game, was just extracting fluids. He was just unbelievably entertaining. And I could not believe the... I mean... 
It wasn't the biggest backlash of the night, obviously, uh, for mm. one of the our podcasters on, on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> I could not believe the feedback that I got uh, from after oh, wow. I, I tweeted and praised him. Oh, no end product. Pathetic, people... defensively. Uh, how do you have a problem with they don't the most entertaining football. Australian player that can, we have? They can don't I just say, sport. Can I just say one thing, right? In this country... We cry out for players with personality, yeah, right? Players who are willing 100%. to take on players, you know, be source, show plenty of source going forward, you know, do all that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden, like when someone, they start, he starts taking on players, you know, of course there was some bad moments with his finishing. We're not going to completely deny that. He's probably his end product does need a little bit of work. And I think that will come in the weeks, in, in the weeks to come. But bloody hell, if we're nitpicking someone who's actually showing a bit of X factor, We've been crying out for bloody X Factor for months, for years. And when he was doing this in 2018, we were all crying, you know, saying, oh, my God, this guy is unbelievable. But now, oh, he was playing against semi-professional players. You know, uh, you know, he's, it's, it's uh, you know, how can we judge it off that? Sure, maybe can't get some semi-professional players, but bloody hell, he looked good. The kid has barely oh. played for four years, for God's sake. Like, come on. Right, can you know, can I just know. read out some of my Twitter replies that I got? Please, but just one Un- second. Here's what I want to say about this, right? We all know I hated MacArthur last year, right? I hated watching him. It was, it was terrible. Mm. I'm going to watch every game this guy plays. All right? Last last night, it v- happens very rarely in Australian football. It happens very rarely that I get on the edge of my seat. And then every time this guy got the ball, I was like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And it did. This guy was ripping people. Like, man, people talking about no-end products. He was going past like three, four players. He's just got to lay it off to someone and that they can score. This whole no-end product, they only put no-end product at someone who's doing amazing at dribbling, which is an important skill in the game. Azani, to me, last night, if he continues this for the next six weeks, on the plane, absolutely, his ceiling is incredible. Josh, before you get to your, your Twitter replies, uh, just in regards... Is that the, to the most self-indulgent thing I've ever done, by the way? Reading out my yeah, Twitter yeah, replies. Yeah. Reading out your Twitter replies. talking about? This, this whole <laughs> podcast is <laughs> self-indulgent. No, no, just, hey, just, only when you host... So just, just, <laughs> just on, you know, uh, Josh, I just want to make one little point, you know, a bit of a, just harping on what you said last week, like the chances are we're not getting out of the group stage anyway. Why don't just bring every saucy player possible and just say, you know, what, go out there and see what you could do. Qual, Tilio, Azani. Yeah. By the way, like I don't, if it won't, if they won't be able to probably take all three, but if he has a good six weeks, like the guy is still one of, if not our most talented player, like he's right up there. And I know this decision-making is poor, but against good defenses against Denmark and France, we're going to need someone who's going to be able to take on players, right? Someone who's right. going to be able to get in behind it. I mean, especially coming up against, you know, when you think about the fullbacks it's going to be coming up against, I mean, looking at it from a France point of view, we were all fiending about Ferlo Mendy last week. He's going to be going up actually against the best left back in the world by the name of Teo Hernandez. You need someone who's going to be able to try and skin him. And Teo Hernandez, Mate, you know, I will defend Taylor when that's the day I die, all right? But you, you're going to need someone like Azad who's going to be able to try and expose him because he gets forward so high. Imagine him running at a back three, right? And just opening up chasms. If he could just lay, be a little bit better with his final delivery, mate, just those little dink balls and everything like that. I think it's going to come. I think we must it's going to come. It's going to be an if avalanche he, this season. At if he stage, has a, a really good six weeks, I think that you've that Graham Arnold really has to consider it. Like, he's got to at least put him in the preliminary squad. Like, He's got to be close. Josh, read out your replies from idiots. 
I just I was just amused when uh, when uh, Dubano was r- rattling off all of our all of our potential young studs we could start in the World Cup. It just sounded like open wide for some soccer, you know. Ariaga, Ariaga too, Tilio, Azadi. Could you imagine a four-two-three-one? With Azani, Tilio, Quoll, and then Cummings up front. Matt, oh, we'll win the, the World Cup. The fantasy booking, <laughs> the fantasy booking eleven is is real. Um, but yes, um, this this I is want, the, the reception. There, but I like it. The reception. Just, I... a double pivot with uh, <laughs> with with Jombro or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff it or Rogic, you know, go for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Rogic in a double pivot. <laughs> Sorry, go, oh, Josh, dear. go, go. Um, so I all I tweeted. Uh, was Alzani has been unreal so far. He remains one of our brightest talents. I don't think that's particularly controversial. Um, I got, you're joking. He's a donkey. He's got a 10-meter dribble and nothing else. Uh, another reply, Alzani is playing in the A-League at 23. His career is already cooked. Mate, we call 25-year-olds youngsters uh, is in Australian just, football. Just, he's, he's, just sorry to butt in, Josh. Is this like you know our version of mean tweets? And we, yeah, like, it is. You know, should we, should we get like that's some, what it, that's some, what just some music underneath it? Make this oh, a segment like TNC mean tweets. We should have got Arzani to read some out. I could have got him at the A League launch. We could have done Daniel Arzani reads mean tweets about Everybody him. That would have been priceless. So oh, we've got to we've got to get that ha- to happen. Pathetic defensively. Judge him at the end of October, not against Chippies and Sparkies. Pretty disrespectful to the Sydney United team, I would say. Super um, disrespectful. Has that... to stop diving. Makes it too obvious. Falls way too easily. He just gets kicked. He gets kicked. Heaps. Yeah, yeah. It exactly. happens to every good player. Yeah, uh, Messi uh, has to stop going down, you know, so easily after you've been kicked eight times by a defender. Like these these people, right? Because I got a, I tweeted out something similar. Blah blah. He's amazing. He's got to go to the World Cup. Blah, blah. And in in amongst me getting, you know, <laughs> people going nuts and abuse. By the way, one person, you know, I said it was a step forward, and they said it was a goose step forward. That was a very funny <laughs> reply. I've got to give it. I totally disagree. <laughs> you know, they're misinterpreting what I was saying. But funny is funny, right? Ding. But, yeah, that's, so, that's that's a point. Rim shot. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the second thing was like. Oh yeah, he, he's doing it against these MPL, this MPL team. First of all, that MPL team knocked out two A-League teams, including the team that won the whole A-League last season. So respect City United, first of all. Second of all, these people who don't like Arzani, I, I can't imagine that they they like anything, that, that there's any joy in their lives, that they like a nice sunrise or a nice sunset or a nice, you know, tomato or some beautiful <laughs> food. Tomato, yeah. or like, you so know, you're saying these people don't like eating a raw tomato stuff. No, you know, these people, they should, they should have joy in their lives. You know, there's so much, there's so much joy to be had out there. There's so many things to enjoy. You know, you wake up and you smell the flowers. They probably go, oh, there's probably pollen in it. Ah, you know, they go, they, these flowers are going to prove it at the botanical. Honestly, shut up. You, you, you're so... Stop sucking your dementors, sucking the joy can, can out of I, football. Can I just say, like, you could have picked anything out of something to enjoy and you picked a tomato. <laughs> like, you could have I picked, love tomatoes. You know, I, I love and, like, tomatoes. Yeah, tomatoes I'm, are We're great. growing them on the balcony. Stole, stole like, Denethor <laughs> in Lord of the Rings just with cherry yeah. tomato <laughs> juice. Just dripping just down his chin. Just down, yeah. <laughs> but, mate, like... 
have a glass of wine or something. You could have picked like, you know, maybe a nice glass of Shiraz or something like Whatever. that. Stuff. <laughs> Go what juicy the... raw tomato. <laughs> but that's, that's what I mean. All right. There's so many things that can be enjoyed, especially tomatoes in many forms. Like, is this... A stole like, starts is this every like... day with a Bloody Mary. It's just... <laughs> nah, nah, I don't like, like the Bloody Mary. Like, that's the only way you can enjoy tomatoes. Someone in the comments was like, has Marlon Brando been reincarnated as Joey's? Is this <laughs> what you've been, you know, the tomato in the mouth here, like the Godfather that you think it stole, like the, 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 the cogs are turning? You know, you know what it is, is that we actually, I made this tomato sauce from scratch for my pasta uh, that I have here. And it's so good. It's so, it's you know like, what? it's like Azani. It's smooth. It's velvety. It, it glides along the pasta. <laughs> you know, it brings joy. It, it gets me excited. All right. That's, that's what Azani does. And, but, it, and, but is the, is the end product, like, is the bloating and the, the feeling of carbs and just like too much carbs, like he's bad shooting yesterday? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know what? Actually, can I just on this bad shooting? Geraldo makes a good point. I can't. Geraldo, sorry, I don't even know where it is. But basically, you said he shouldn't try and shoot full power every time, which I actually agree, right? Like that. That's a little bit, you know. And I think it's gonna come. I think it was just he was nervous last night. And actually, like just talking about like what happened during the game. So the first penalty was really interesting to be in the stadium for. Because basically, you know, after the commotion of players down and the Al-Hassan Torre gets the ball, puts it on the spot, right? And, you know, you can kind of reading the body language be like, ooh, don't know if he's the one who's meant to take this penalty, right? Davia kind of trying to have a nice little chat with him like, are you sure? You know, mm, I don't think it's, I think it's my turn, you know. Da, da, da. Then Dwight York gets up off the bench and he's pointing and yelling like, you know, Uli, it's yours. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Ulysses Devlet turns back to York and he's like, man, what do you want me to do? This is going to get pretty embarrassing <laughs> if I just like steal the ball off him, you know, in front of these 12,000, you know, Sydney United fans, some of which were doing Nazi salutes and a fascist. And we, you know, that was terrible. But they put, he puts the ball down, Alhassan Torre. And then I'm thinking, oh, bro, if he misses this, if he misses, like you could see Dwight off because it's like human, like hey, how, dare he, how dare he take the penalty? Da, 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 da. And have you ever seen that clip of Jermaine Defoe where he's like fighting for the ball with like, I think it's a Brazilian guy for a free kick when they're at Toronto. And Jermaine Defoe is really like, how dare you? You know, da, 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 I'm taking it. And then the Brazilian guy just smashes it in top corner. Amazing free kick. And, and Jermaine Defoe's like looking like, and then he quickly he's like, wow, what a goal. Like, just laugh. It's hilarious. That <laughs> well, was exactly Dwight York's reaction. <laughs> well, it's like, but, you know, when you see um, when a player's like on a break and they don't square it and the player's like waiting to be all like, give yeah. me the ball. And then that person scores and they're like, oh, no. whatever. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> it's such a goal. But, like, and to be fair, like you're thinking, oh, this is like a tough, because of the, the delay, because he was the one, you know, he, he's kind of taking it on himself to take the penalty. He smashed the penalty. It's a great penalty. And to be honest, I love the celebration. You know, again, at the time, my understanding is the celebrate. He just did it because, you know, they had been, you know, it's the opposition. He wanted to roll up the opposition. That's my understanding of why he did that celebration. I loved it. I, oh, I it was so awesome, I loved it, awesome right? celebration. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. And it added to the night. Like, I was like, and mm. the best thing about it was he did it. And you could see a couple of MacArthur players a little bit slow at getting over to, to celebrate with him. A little bit, you know, there was a couple that ran straight after him. Yeah, we've scored a one nil up in the cup. There was definitely a few that were like, ooh, you know, Al, what are you doing, mate? Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit you, over this why side. Why are you poking the hornet's nest? Yeah, ooh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of them. <laughs> you know, I, so it was, 
like I thought I, just, I don't know. I just thought it was a that was a really cool moment for me last night. Just just on um uh, Al Hassan Toure, I thought he played a pretty good game, guys. I very actually good. really I actually thought he's he's having a good preseason so far. I'm very curious to see if he can kick on this year because I mean we will uh, I think it was what 2019 the the Adelaide's run to the F, uh, well the, the then FFA Cup um final and when he won it and everyone was talking about him potentially to play for the Socceroos for God's sake. And he's become a bit of like a mm. FFA slash Australia cup specialist, because I mean, he's always seems to be on fire in these tournaments. I'd love to see him kick on this year because there's a real vacancy at the, at the, I mean, the, at, in the number nine position for them because Lockie Rose has been leading the line, but I'd like to see Toure potentially lead the line instead. And then maybe shift things a little bit in sort of their makeup up there. But also just that 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 front four, I think. I think especially with uh, De Silva playing a bit deeper or Lucas Davila, whoever one it was playing that little bit deeper with Arzani and Al Hassan Torre is going to cause a lot of problems this year, guys. Like they're going to be a very, very exciting team to put, to see when those four particularly are up and they're playing at their best. Interesting you mentioned the uh, makeup of MacArthur's midfield because, you know, um, Ante Milicic was like really wedded to that double pivot um, and there were a lot of pretty negative lineups and he's playing three, five at the back, you know, noon as a right wing back and all this stuff. Um, and in possession, I noticed in the final, cause you got that great high camera angle um, uh, at Combank. So you can really see the tactics on display. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that in when they were defending, um, they were defending in a four four two, which is pretty standard. And De Silva was dropping back, and Davila was um, like joining Rose um, yeah. in the in the front two. Um, most teams defended a four four two, but in possession, they were actually playing four three three, and mm. De Silva was moving higher, and um, Davila was moving across whichever side, and Bacchus was playing as a single pivot, which is almost entirely alien role to him so far in his career, and he's a pr- player that I've criticized well both Bacchus brothers but um him particularly when he was at the Wanderers for being a real negative backwards sideways ball mm. circulator I thought some of I know yes you know it was against um MPL opposition of course but I thought some of his positive play having more to aim for in front of him and better movement and more options in front of him with De Villa and De Silva both presenting mm. for the ball quite high up the park was sensational to watch. And yeah. there were a couple of passes he th- hit straight through the middle of the pitch to pick out someone to feet. And I thought, Bacchus, you know, who, who who has, you know, who are you and what have you done with the Kieran Bacchus I know and loathe? Uh, I, I was really, I was really impressed with him. I thought he was really good too. And you know what? I'm pretty impressed with like, Dwight York as a coach. Like I know it's early days, but genuinely, you know, my initial reaction was kind of like, oh no, a big superstar name a la... Somewhere in the vein of like Robbie Fowler, ex Premier League, has never coached basically a you know fully professional senior side, coming here to you know just start his career and, and I don't know I, I didn't know if, if it was going to be good but so far been very impressed with Macarthur I like this setup I, I like what I see man I think they're going to do great this season. He's just, just, he's, he's the anti hand, he's the anti human handbrake. Yeah. He just rolls a ball out and lets him play and lets the wingers stay just, really high and take players on. And um, I'm loving it. You yeah. Know, I don't I, know how much, I think, I don't know I, how much specificity is going on there. But MacArthur. <laughs> it, it's a laissez faire coaching approach. Sorry, sorry, Nick. Can I just say, you know, just in terms of like, I don't mean to, you know, 
crush the party of you know the the MacArthur sort of you know how good they're looking at the moment but bringing it back I mean going forward they're going to be really good I just have some concerns defensively against some better teams about how they're going to be able to uh, play in that system and you know just how that's going to function because I mean even against you know Oakley they looked a little bit suspect defensively and similarly even against Sydney United yesterday but I think that that's going to be a real curious watch against some quality attacks, just how they're going to go once they, you know, won. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be, you know, really peppered defensively, but also as well, how they're going to go when a team decides to press, as Geraldo has, you know, sort of put into question here. I mean, not many teams in the A-League press, but that'll be something to keep an eye on as well in terms of, you know, how that midfield functions, how that back four functions as well. You know, um, I think it's going to be a so curious the Jets, watch. They're that... probably going to have trouble against the Jets and everybody else. Yeah, but but I mean, against some other teams, you know, teams that like to sit back, they're going to probably have a bit more of a field day. But I, I, I am I am curious to see how it plays out. That opening game against Brisbane Royal next Saturday is going to be a really, really intriguing watch because, you know, like MacArthur on the road, second professional team they've played, you know, including the Wellington Phoenix in that, uh, Australia Cup game. They've played, you know, mainly semi-professional sides all the way through to, to winning the Australia Cup. So we'll see how they go against Brisbane because Brisbane have been a bit bit shaky, to say the least, this off-season. Things haven't really been, you know, smooth sailing. So I am... Uh, that's one game I think, you know, weeks ago I would have thought, oh, this is a game that I might... I might catch this game, you know, mm. in a, like at the last... I, I might put this game on the back though. This is a game that I think might actually be you know, required, required viewing. I think it's going to be a really, really intriguing game. I, you know, I just, feel like Rio Ferdinand talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the moment, the way we're assessing Dwight. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like he's taken the shackles off. You know, MacArthur are back, baby. Get the contract out. Let him run whatever he wants. <laughs> Al Hassan Toure is back. <laughs> yeah, Pulls I mean, back and down. But yeah, look, if you don't go off what we've seen, and I mean, it's been very impressive. And look, like you say, like in terms of them getting pressed high, I guess we we said it, but everyone's going to be too scared of Arzani and Al Hassan Torre on the counter, and De Silva. Yeah. They, they're just they're, like, they're absolutely. This league is full of coaches that you know, with the greatest respect, shit themselves at the first sign of like, oh, you know, there's a chance that someone might catch us in transition. Let's get in blocks. Well, the the, the, the funny thing you say, Stoll, is like that's that's exactly what you can see happening because think about Davila. Arzani, the silver gets on the turn. You know they 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 get on the no. turn past that that first line of a press, the second line of a press, and it's a you know four v four or four v three. There's there's going to be you know alarm bells ringing when you got Daniel Arzani running at you. But one thing I've noticed, uh, something that Daniel Arzani said after the Oakley game, it just seems like he's enjoying his football again. And I think that's a really like it sounds like such a cliche, but he's a very very it's a quality that we probably don't speak about enough. You're enjoying your football. The correlation of that is you're going to probably play better because you're in a, a workplace and an environment where you feel comfortable and you feel like you can express yourself on the field. And I think, you know, if he's enjoying his football, and that's the most important thing for him right now after four horrible years for him with, you know, the ACL, uh, the loan deals that didn't work out for him. He's now in an environment where he can just play football, focus on playing football and just enjoy playing again. And whatever else happens in terms of if he goes to the World Cup, if he gets back into the soccer squad, that should all be secondary. The focus for now is he's playing football again. He's enjoying it. And that's a bonus because will Australia will benefit in the long run. He'll benefit for the long run. And I think that we might be able to still see the best of him in the years to come. Because remember, he's only 23 for God's sake. What? Let's also remember, this guy looked good under Warren Joyce. 
You know, imagine what he could be, okay? <laughs> this guy looked exciting under the, the biggest handbrake we've ever seen. Um, so, and also, like, just, you know, from a pure kind of, like, on-pitch perspective, when he receives the ball wide and he turns to combine with someone inside, he's got Ulysses Davia, the player but probably he was closest to on the pitch last night, probably one of, if not the best player in the league that he could be combining with in terms of, you know, one twos and, and combination plays. They've got De Silva in there as well. Again, perfect player for that. Lockie Rose, I'm not sure. I, I don't know his game well enough. It seems like he's much more about stretching the defense, runs yeah. in behind. Someone you know, that open. play very much on the counter. You know, he's a good player to have just to run yeah. and run and run. He's, so he's, he's Aldi Harland. He will stretch the defense, which will open up space for Alessandro, you know, Davia, De Silva, uh, and Azani. And, man... Yeah, like I might become a MacArthur Bulls fan this season. <laughs> Things just, that no one would have seen coming. <laughs> just on this on this point from from uh, young boy Lockie Flanagan. Now, to your point, Dubano, Western United players wax lyrical about the strength of their dressing room culture in just about every interview they gave last year worked out pretty well for them. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. I mean, you know, the 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 U-turn in how things changed under John Aloisi. It's yeah, you got to give that 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 is. A, it is such an important thing. It's just enjoyment and enjoying going to work. I mean, we can speak for ourselves. You don't enjoy going to work. You're going to have a crap time, right? Your productivity is going to drop. Your overall, your effort's going to drop. Just everything is going to drop. Results, everything. The your fact voice the is going to go. And if you do in. enjoy your work, you know, the sunrise is looking brighter. The roses You're going to enjoy your raw, your raw, your raw tomato. So, so sweet. <laughs> the banana, I feel like you haven't had a good tomato. I feel like May I stole. I'm, stole. I'm I'm half Italian, quarter Greek, and quarter Maltese. The fact you're saying that I've so had I'm a disappointed good is disrespectful. That's no, no, why no, I'm disappointed in you. You I have had disrespecting tomatoes. I've had I've had as many good tomatoes as I have had warm dinners made. Like they they're beautiful. <laughs> I can tell you, I've had a lot of good tomatoes in my time. <laughs> All right, Josh, I think we need to move on because we're just arguing about produce. <laughs> I never have even got ESPN comments. I think someone forgot to turn on the broadcast. That was me. No. Oh, <laughs> Nick Tomato. <Nick> <laughs> um, I don't know how we got here. Let's talk about Ulysses Davila because that mm, was yeah. uh, really affecting, really emotional, and quite beautiful, I think. Um and for people who don't know, and if you watched coverage last night, it was pretty extensively covered, but he lost his wife in very sudden and very tragic um, circumstances uh, a few months ago. And he thought about retiring from professional football. Um, he was immediately supported by MacArthur. They sent a number of their coaching staff, um, I think, to Mexico to be with him and his family and take care of them and make sure um, they had everything they needed. Um, and he was so grateful for the support from MacArthur that not only did he decide, decide to play on and even captain this team, um, when he won the Mark Viduka medal for player of the match last night, he instantly took it off his neck and gave it to the chairman, Gino Mara, as a token of appreciation for what the club had done for him to support him through what was an Im- unimaginably um, tough time. So... Like that, that just blew me away, to be honest. And I, I, it was such a good story. And like the way Al Hassan Toure was, you know, holding back tears in a post match interview talking about, you know, how much he cared for him. Um, mm. You know, despite 
stealing the penalty off him, but Ulysses Davila got his goal later on from the spot. Um, that was I thought that was fantastic, well, and just what what a story. Just and just on that penalty, it didn't seem like even in that moment, which can be a very high tension moment, it didn't seem like there was bad blood between the players. You know, should, should just kind of say that a beautiful moment and a really good example of what happens when you treat people well what the, you know so often in football it's like oh this is a business and you know love it or leave it and you know people get treated real bad in this game not always not you know but a lot of times people get treated just like pieces of meat or whatever when you treat people like humans sometimes they respond in the best way possible and i think this you know is another example of that we should constantly be treating everyone as we want to be treated ourselves, you know, to, in the best way. And that will lead to the best results. Can I just say that just reminded me just how beautiful this game is. And just how, you know, that that whole sequence at the end there with, you know, the post-game interview, you know, him bringing his son out to the pitch, Lily on the back of his jersey. Um, not going to lie, guys, like the someone was cutting onions and I think that they were cutting onions in every household when they were, when that was happening. Cause that was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And I think it's so great that, you know, we've still got Ulysses Starvilla in the game. Mm. Um, you know, it's, I can't imagine what he and his family have gone through. I, I can't. And I'm just so happy that, you know, he's had this moment. He's had this moment. And the fact that he's able to cap off what has been such a just awful few months, and he's had this moment. Um, I love it. And I still send all my love to him and his family and everyone that's been in, in affected by this. And I wish him all the best, you know, for this season, for everything going forward. Um, yeah, I I couldn't help it. It was, it was beautiful. It was a great moment. And football can serve up these beautiful moments. And it's, yeah, awesome stuff. I'll run the memes coming through in the comments. Uh, the football community has a big heart. Um, yeah, it does. And, uh, shout out to you. Um, yeah, can't, can't imagine what that would have been like, um, how affecting that would have been watching that. So, um, yeah, really amazing, um, amazing story, amazing person that Davila clearly is to have come through this and to be performing like he is. And he's one of the greatest talents in the league. He's one of the best players to watch. So delighted to still have him, have him out there. Um, and clearly, you know, he is garnering, you know, a huge amount of respect from from the MacArthur playing group as their as their captain this season. Um, Geraldo says half serious about calling him to be used in Mexico's World Cup squad, given how badly they're going. Not that uh, Tata Martino would uh, would make good use of him. Um, just a bit of bit of slander for a Barca legend there. Stop. Nah, Tata Martino was oh, what a shit coach. Honestly, <laughs> oh. you know, like when you have like trauma from like a coach, you're like, oh man, even you just hear that they're still coaching, you're like, oh, oh god, don't take me back. Um, you know, very much the Warren Joyce of Barcelona coaches. Yeah, that that's that's how I feel every time I hear the name Jean-Pierre Ventura. Uh, for those, <laughs> if, you, if you know, you know. <laughs> and can I just say, is my is my uh, reception coming through all good? Apparently, uh, the microwave is being used in my house. Yeah, it's just uh, just cooking some tomatoes in the microwave. So, no, it, uh, you've you've dropped out a couple of times, but it's a not not to Debano levels. Um, I apologize. Let's uh, if if no no one has anything further on Oz Cup because we have spent. Can I an hour can I just say what, what one one thing about one Sydney United player that I'd love to see considered 
for potential move to the A-League, Daniel Nizic. I think a lot of A-League men's clubs can do a lot worse than looking getting Daniel Nizic in as a potential goalkeeping option this year. Um, and his performances in the Australia Cup from start to finish have been sensational. And he was great again yesterday. Yeah, he uh, was really good. He made twice as many saves as any other goalkeeper in the competition, I believe. Which is yeah. a bonkers mm. statistic. Um, I also want to make a point of, I thought Sydney United played a lot better when Glenn Trefiro came on and there were little mm. moments where I th- thought, you know, it was tough for them in the second half. Like they needed to get the ball. They needed to attack and they just didn't look like they had the fitness and a reminder, these guys are semi-professionals and worked all week. Uh, and also maybe even the individual quality to do so. But there were moments where Trefiro really had them playing and, and that looked like their best opportunity. And, you know, I know Trefiro is an old player, but he's someone I would have liked to have seen play more in the A-League because I think over the years he's been very good in NPL New South Wales. And maybe he's a player that just went a bit underappreciated by the game. And I'm glad he had that kind of special moment in the semifinal. And, you know, I hope even last night was special for him. Yeah, um, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit, you know, kind of similar career to, say, like a Franco Parisi, who's like mm. cemented himself as an Arpia, you know, legend after a limited A-League career. But, he, you know, he still works full-time in the game. He's a coach um, outside of, you know, playing playing still. And uh, one of the Sydney United banners that I did enjoy was the uh, the Tricky Trefiro one. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Um, let's talk Garan Qual, shall we? Uh, moved to Newcastle secured. He was in the away end uh, during their 4-1 win against Fulham overnight. I uh, got to see that Miguel Almiron volley up nice close oh, to yeah. person. Also lucky, lucky him, but garnering some some brownie points with the with the Toon supporters already. But he's not going to actually join the club until January because the transfer window doesn't open until then, of course. So he will be back with the Mariners for the start of the A-League can season. I, can I just say one thing about that photo? The guy in the Hugo Boss ad, man, smile. Like, smile, man. Like, you know, you've got the newest sighting next to you. You know Show what? Excitement. <laughs> you know what he was saying to probably uh, Qual? He was like, you need to work on your end product, mate. Uh, you know, <laughs> like that, it'll be that kind of crap. All right. Maybe man, this guy people... just doesn't like, man, this guy just doesn't like tomatoes, man. I guarantee he doesn't like tomatoes. <laughs> nah, but in all honesty, um, it's awesome to see that this move has happened. Um, I'm excited for it. Uh, you know, I think that the, the next thing is going to, the next move is going to be interesting where he goes out on loan uh, in, in January. And these next few months now playing, coming back to the Mariners and well, not really coming back, but you know, playing out his time at central coast and seeing how things go out. And even if he goes to the world cup as well, how that plays out as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, you know, where he ends up on loan. And I think it's going to be important that he ends up at a club where they're actually going to value him playing because a lot of loan lot of clubs they don't see you know they bring in a loan player but like what benefit is is it to them beyond the short-term result because they're not the ones at the end of the day that you know are the um going to benefit long term he will go in six months or maybe in 12 months if it's a one-year loan deal and i don't know i, I think it's very important that, that this next loan deal is really really important um just for him to keep playing and develop in that same manner uh, Alan says, I'd like to see Garang loan back to CCM for the rest of the year. Him staying here before the World Cup is good for his chances, though. Um, I think the reason that they want to 
blown him out as quickly as possible is so he can get a work permit. Because the longer you start, as a football manager player, I understand that it is easy <laughs> to get a work permit if you spend some time on loan at a European club. I don't know why, but you know, um, that's that's probably the reason that they want to bring him in in January and then loan him out to I don't know. Portugal or uh, Edinburgh, as Lockie Flanagan has unsurprisingly suggested. Um, uh, interesting question here. Um, will he start the A-League season or will he be playing in the under-20 Asian Cup qualifiers mm. on the 14th of October? I'm not sure if that's been announced yet, but I have heard that he will be getting called up. So that means he will miss uh, quite a few of those um, A-League games before the World Cup, which I don't imagine that Central Coast would be super happy about. Yeah, and all the fans. Uh, I mean, like, I think we... Look, I don't want to speak for someone who's not here but might appear regularly on the show, but that person told us that, you know, if he was to be called up, he'd miss, I think, weeks two, three, and four. Mm. And then if if you get called up for Socceroos for the World Cup, what are you missing? The, anything kind of in November late October, anything in December. So I, I don't know how many games we're actually going to see him play in the Mariners. It doesn't seem only like be, be like... four or five, if anything. If That's really disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but look, I mean, the thing is, like, it's interesting because people are kind of like, oh, you know, this is an amazing move. And, you know, of course it is. And But, like, the thing we should say about all these moves is, you know, Garang is a player who gets you excited. You know, he makes you lean forward when you watch him in the stadium. We want to see him play, and like I think all these th- all these moves, transfers, you know, Newcastle United high on the NRI index, um, English Premier League team, you know, super high. Everyone's like, wow, Newcastle United. We have to be realistic. He's not getting close to this first team for a while. So, yeah. and you it know, could and- be a couple of years before he's even allowed to legally work in the UK. Yeah. So, I just personally. Just like my hope is I just want to see someone who is very exciting play regularly somewhere where I can probably watch the games or at least get the highlights <laughs> off. Um, so, so I don't know if that comes into consideration to the loan. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, you know, when, you, when you're analyzing this move, it, it's so hard to analyze, you know, is this going to be good or bad? But also I think the money that's, this is the money that's being talked about. I mean, this, this is incredible. This guy's going to be, like, if the money's true, which I don't know it is, I can totally understand why he went for this move rather than maybe a club where there was potentially more opportunity to play. And, you know, he, he might have even spoken to Allo, his brother. Well, I'm sure he did. Allo hasn't played a game for Stuttgart. I think the best he's managed is a, on the bench for one Bundesliga game. He's been there a year and a bit now. You know, I, I I don't know if we'd say has that move worked out. I don't really think so. So yeah, I I, I want to just uh, the big thing got to remember here is this is a Newcastle team that is remember they've they've just been bought by the Saudis. Like this is a team that you know they've got probably now higher expectations to succeed now because they can just go out and buy who they want. It's 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 pretty obvious. I mean, they've got more cash than most, if not any other team in the world. So it's going to be tough for Qual in, I think, the short term. And hopefully over time, as you know, he gets some loan deals and he keeps playing and everything like that, he can break in. But as you mentioned, Stowe, I mean, when you've got, you know, that opportunity, like with that sort of money thrown at you, like 
for anyone. It's it's hard to turn down. And, you know, just looking at Newcastle's squad demographic right now, I mean, do they do they usually go too much with their youth products? You know, like, you know, has things changed a little bit now? Like, I mean, this isn't, you know, the Newcastle of Mike Ashley era where, you know, you probably probably would have had a chance of playing mm. because of the fact that the squad is just not very deep. But now they're going to go, if they want to get a new winger, they'll go get a new winger. Like they, this that's sort of the, the, the way that they're at now. I've actually got a club that I think he would be good to land at because I've seen some people come through in the comments, including Daniel talking about, being lean, uh, loaned to Roma for the for the tomato recognition index, a club Bravo. that actually, of the night, you, by the way, com- of the night. talking about <laughs> talking about TRI, a club that actually would suit for him. And no, no Joseph, not Napoli either. Another team in Serie A called Cremonese. Now Cremonese have a history of bringing a lot of loan players and giving loan players minutes. They did a lot of that last season when they got promoted to Serie A. Right now, the season hasn't really gone to plan so far. They're a favourite to go down. Um, but six months at Cremonese, there might be more opportunity for him to play for a team of that ilk, a team that, you know, is in a top mm. tier or a second tier that values bringing in loan players to get results. Because, you know, there are plenty of teams in the championship, um, in, in Serie A, in other leagues, that look to get loan players because as well, the, the harsh reality is some of these clubs can't actually afford to go out and buy players. So if they want to succeed, they have to get guys in on loan. So maybe it's a six-month short-term destination if a club says, hey, We'll bring you in for six months and you're going to play every week. We're trying to stay up. Or we're trying to get promoted. That could be great for him, like just for six months or maybe for the next season as well. So um, it, it's going to be a curious watch to see where he lands after this is that, in that next loan deal. But it has to be a club where he's actually going to play because whittling away on the bench, it's not going to benefit anyone. It's not going to benefit him at all. I mean, we know Newcastle are planning to splash the cash as much as they can with FFP, with their new owners. Um, is there a risk here that the club kind of evolves beyond qual's level of ability by the time he's eligible to play for them by the time they've spent all his money on star players you know and he's actually can you know however long it takes and it will depend on his socceroos appearances and so forth um and whether he can get a uk work permit uh it could be a lot more competition for the first team by the time he's there look this happens with man city a lot is they mm. you know sign some really amazing junior players from all over europe uh, you know, many from Spain, for example, and then just literally the opportunities are not there because they can also they need success right away, and they'll just go sign an Erling Haaland or you know a Riyad Mahrez or a Bernardo Silva or someone like that. So I, I don't know. It's I, I think yeah, I think it's a it's a risk. I mean, right now, if you said to me, do you think Garen Quall is going to have a long career at Newcastle, 100-plus Premier League matches, I'd, I'd be surprised. It's you know. a potential springboard to a significant yeah. career, though. Yeah, like, like I think this dude is super talented. And I think what's going to be an indicator, basically what's going to be an indicator of if he's playing regularly in Europe in the next three years or he comes back to the A-League a la Daniel Azami is whether he gets game time and stays injury free in his loan moves. And these loan moves, like they're tough, right? Because you kind of need to like prove yourself within like the first couple of weeks because they'll decide, okay, he's a great player. We're going to play him all the time. It's going to help us like, you know, stay up or challenge for the title or whatever it is. Like you were saying, Nick, or they say, ah, no good. And we don't own this guy. So there's no financial interest in us developing him to then sell on. So 
put him in the. Is you there know. is there a player better equipped to impress in short bursts than Garen Quall? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. Know, he the hasn't started sub. a game yet, and he's moved to Newcastle United. So the guy seizes his his limited opportunities. I think we can say that about him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, look, it would be amazing. I, I would, I would love to see him tear up uh, the Premier League, and and you know what a story and. I still think it's what a story for football that, you know, what what a message to, you know, kids in Shepparton. Like, hey, you get good at this very quickly. You can be, you know, as a friend would say, a millionaire, you know. <laughs> so, like, it's an amazing story uh, what this kid has gone through and where he's gone in such a short space of time. And football, maybe basketball as well, maybe some other sports, but football really is the sport that allows you mm. to do that, to dream uh, big. Speaking mm. of Shepparton, Josh's cheap plugs, I'm going to be commentating the under-17 Asian qualifiers in Shepparton this week. Um, nice so job. if you're in Sheptown, um, make sure to come and say hi. Uh, Australia, Cambodia, North Mar- Northern Mariana Islands and China are the teams. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing... If Shepparton can uh, play host to the unveiling of another another new fresh talent on the scene, I don't know if there are any quals, qual, any more Qual brothers in the squad yet. I haven't got a squad list, so uh, we'll find out. <laughs> but um, gentlemen, last couple of topics before we call it a night. Uh, the A League launch has um, happened at Ultra Football. Um, a new part of the strategy is all these documentaries that they're bringing out. There's an all, a weekly all-access program that's going to encompass the entire league, and then there's a whole bunch of individual club documentaries that are set to be released, the first of which, the first episode is out on Paramount+, Plus, the Sydney FC one. Uh, firstly, who has seen this? Um, how is Vince Rigari's apartment looking? And uh, is this a good thing for the league? Is it a good watch? Yeah, look, um, look. I know I said that I was in the Macarthur box last night. It's actually Vince Rigari's. Well, it's his stadium. He owns the whole stadium, so you know, he likes <laughs> must to keep be nice. Quite quiet. Um, but big thanks to Vince for letting us <laughs> go there last night. Um, look, the Sydney FC documentary. Look, they did a good job. You know, I got to say. I mean, look, it's exactly the formula of all or nothing, and and these like. So if you've seen one all or nothing. It's the same, you know, drone shots, slow-mos, you know, they put a bit of narrative, but there is some pretty interesting revelations on top of Vince Rigari's um, incredible balcony um, is that, you know, they do show board meetings. They do show, you know, them, you know, to a very small extent discussing, you know, Bimby's renewal. Um, I did think like there was one moment, there's a lot of moments that uh, made me laugh actually, but one of them was like the voiceover was saying, Steve Corica, known as Mr. Sydney. And it's like, <laughs> um, by who? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, Steve Corica was an amazing, one of Sydney FC's best ever players. And look, he's achieved a lot as a coach. Um, I've never heard of him as Mr. Sydney. Uh, so that, that that was an interesting one that they tried with that. Um, well, maybe they said Mr. Bimby and someone misheard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's possible. laughs> 
Um, but it, like, and it was interesting to see, like, you know, we remember the game last season where I think they were down two nil or three nil to the Mariners uh, away. Um, it was one of the rare games where Ninkovic and Burgess uh, actually started, uh, you know, in that job share season that they had. Um, it was interesting to see his halftime team talk and how he dealt with that. Uh, it, it gave me more insight into him as a coach, which I which I do appreciate. So I genuinely think it's it's worth a watch. And I think these documentaries, I don't know how like commercially successful they are. Um, <laughs> I don't know how commercially successful they are, but I, I like it. I'm looking forward to this A-League, all areas, access, whatever. I don't know what the, the name is, but I, I think I, I think a league-wide one will appeal to a bigger audience, obviously, because... I only think the people who'd watch this Sydney FC documentary are Sydney FC fans or people who hate Sydney FC and want to laugh at, you know, yeah. a, a terrible season. Literally rusted on A-League fans, like, you know, for yeah. that. I think, um, look, it was very well made. I've mm. got to be honest. I thought it was very well made. Oh, the pro- um, production values are through the roof. Absolutely. Really like, I, and, and, and I hope this is the same production for, for every single documentary that reportedly is coming out in the next few weeks, including the, you know, the, the, whole, the whole A-League. <laughs> Week by week, one. I would have loved. I think. I think I would have loved if you know they all dropped at one in one go. Like I think just to really capitalize yeah. on that. Like you know, I think just in terms of a rollout strategy, that would have been more effective. I mean, that's just nitpicking. But I think mm. you know there were some cool moments. I I did enjoy you know finding out how much Steve Coker swears. Like <laughs> he was yeah, like he was lot. swearing like crazy. And they didn't. Um, they didn't beep it, which is good because that's so yeah. annoying. Like, I, I, yeah. but, but yeah, like the concept of it is cool. Um, and hopefully it does, you know, make some people, I guess, want to come around and see more. I, I'm curious to see what this, you know, full A League one is like. I think that's going to be a that 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 could be an interesting one if it's quote unquote Drive to Survive esque. But I mean, what made Drive to Survive so good was, you know, the fact of how it was told from outside point of view and you had the journalists who were kind of setting the scene for everything and um i think that is sort of the the avenue to go down but i mean apparently there's documentaries coming out for everyone but this is a, the much famed western united documentary we haven't you know heard when that's going to come out there's a melbourne victory documentary as well so i mean when they're going to get all sprinkled out they have to soon because a lot of these were recorded last season so you don't want them to you know eventually sort of lose their their timeliness because i mean next season is what five days away you know we're gonna be we're gonna have new content so like um it's gonna be interesting to see how it all rolls out but nonetheless i enjoyed the first episode i'll probably watch the whole thing as long as vince regari is still on his balcony i'll keep watching and i hope that we get to see a tour of his whole whole lavish apartment even though stole's got a got a photo up of it on his own twitter uh i want to see more yeah and you, you know the i mean i thought they actually handled the kind of like the the women's team well which i think is a much oh, absolutely. more absolutely emotive story like even even knowing kind of what this team goes through to see you know players getting up at 5 30 in the morning to go to training before they have to go to work and then seeing them you know all in the gym while it's still dark outside before the sun has risen and working hard i really think it does make you appreciate the sacrifice these players make and it did make me more emotionally invested in the team. And that, I think, is the purpose of these documentaries. So I, I'd say well done. I, I think the, the league-wide one, especially, 
um, because we're used to some of the internal team ones, like the All or Nothing series, and they are PR exercises mm. a lot of the time. And some of them reveal more than others. Some of them are more interesting than others. Um, but the league-wide one, if they're trying to do a drive-to-survive type thing, they have to be willing to discuss and lean into the interpersonal conflicts, the controversies, um, the difficulties that um, you know football has in this country. That uh, It needs to be willing to take a warts and all view um, mm. because drive to survive is fun because all of the drivers are always at, at each other's throats, whether they're on the same team or not. Um, and so they, they play up the, you know, Max Verstappen is feuding with this guy and so forth. And that's, that's fun. Uh, and they all realize the, the necessity of access and, you know, it, it it becomes a little bit more soap opera-y, but people enjoy the personalities involved there. If it's too, I guess, sanitized and too much of a PR exercise that's had to be cleared through too many people to go to air, I, I feel as if it's going to be a little bit dull and not not going to drive interest in the league in the way that Drive to Survive has. Yeah, and I think it's always going to be the issue, right? Is like who is funding these, who benefits, how much... Do you know teams realize that we love the Sunderland Till I Die documentary mainly because it showed what a disaster that season was with Sunderland and you know what a disaster some of the people involved were. Now, I, I, I maybe that makes honest. for a successful documentary. I don't know if that helps the club. I gotta be honest, like that was the perfect storm of documentaries because the yeah. first season it was so bad that it was so engrossing, but the second season was bloody hilarious. Because of everything that the, the you know when Charlie Methven came in and you know they had the Will Grigg thing and you know Josh Madger and the Cup Finals, it was so engrossing because it was like, oh my god, like these guys are just flat out hilarious, <laughs> like they're characters, you know. So he was basically um, David Brent, like the yeah, Methven, like, like like you know like when you oh, put pressure should... on people in Marcoms, you start to separate. <laughs> The wheat from the chaff. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole thing with like Adagio for strings before the game. And you know, like, well, I would do it if I was DJ. The director of football going, we can't go more than 600,000. Let's give another call. Let's let's go for a million for like Will Greek. And it was like, <laughs> I just see his frustration at the owner. Like that was, that was great. Like, I don't know if we have something like that here, you know, that we don't know of, but. That would be fun to have a look Tony, at. It'd be hilarious to watch on the outside. Seeing Tony Sage try and sell Perth Glory every week would be hilarious. <laughs> this guy getting on the phone. All right, uh, look, I've got a club. Uh, look, they don't have a stadium at the moment. That's a bit of an issue. But uh, what's your best offer? Crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, what we're looking for is utility for the token. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, the shit out From of the back of a London a black cab. We can we can do like a imagine a, it's like the diary room. <laughs> the the Gold Coast United documentary under Clive Palmer would be sensational. Oh, um, absolutely. Just want to quickly uh, a few people asked uh, Lazar Eleven. Speaking of how is Ante haven't even written stuff for ESPN lately. Concerned for that. I've spoken to the UFO, the aliens. Ante was abducted, but he's all good. I've spoken to him in the UFO, treating him well. <laughs> 
He he's might he's doing well by his captors. Being you've spoken into the UFO stall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a dialogue. All right. Did you did Very you say, good. hey, he's he's a he's a basket of my best tomatoes, and we get on there back in return. <laughs> Stoll's got his CB radio that he's shooting to. <laughs> we've spoken to him. I can I can say, um, Ante's all good. Hopefully, we hear from him at some stage, whether that's you know through here or through whatever medium it is, but. You know, no need to be too concerned, uh, Ferrante. Yeah. Uh, well, a league launch, guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, the main thing to come out of that, I guess, was Danny Townsend talking about the the documentary series and showing that clip and everything. Um, also, Melbourne Victory turning up in a training kit with a hastily applied A <laughs> league logo on the front. <laughs> um, their kit has since been leaked through FIFA screenshots. It may not look exactly like that, but if it does look exactly like the FIFA screenshots, it's absolutely revolting. So I understand why they didn't want to reveal it. But we always get these kind of mean <laughs> moments at these A-League events, don't we? Mm. But, uh, but also, if it is revolting, you can't be like, guys, our kit sucks. Just yeah. maybe see if no one notices. And then game, first game of the season, oh, whoops, I, well, I don't know. Maybe this is our kit. <laughs> well, they've got six days until the first game of the season, so they you'd hope yeah. that that kit gets it out soon. Otherwise, it's going to be like a mystery bag for the first game of the season. Like, what are they going to wear? You know, I mean, like, every it... year the Chevron continues to be butchered. Every single year, it's like this oversized <laughs> nonsense thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'd, it's a shame. But uh, I think they're bringing back the the high vis uh, construction worker or love that jersey, which I'm I'm a fan of, uh, even mm. if the the dimensions of the Chevron are. Uh, um, Josh, the, the the big moment was the fact you your conversation with Jason Cummings, yes. his dog. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess baby that, Carlos. That did go around uh, a little bit, didn't it? Um, he's just sensational talent. Like you cannot mm. have a bad interview with Jason Cummings. It's impossible. Uh, yeah. He's just such good fun, and um, I, I love that nugget that I got out of him. Uh, the fact that he, you know, he rubbed his tattoo of his dog on the chest because he likes a wee chest rub. Like, <laughs> oh god, he's just priceless. What a I man. mean, the thing is, like, you know, him, Charlie Austin, as well, from all accounts. Uh, so you know, but they seem like great characters, and great characters are important for the league. And I don't know if that you know should come into when people are going to sign players, but. It, it does make a difference. And uh, you know, I think you guys were at the launch. I liked it from afar. You know, I've seen a few A-League launches. I like that it's at a football store, you know, ultra football that people can attend um, to. You know, it's not the glitziest launch the A-League has ever had, but it looked fun. Kind of we had Billy like... Wingrove there doing tricks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Funny. The amount of takes that it that they do to actually get the shot is unbelievable. Wow. You wouldn't believe how many tries they need to get like both of them hitting the crossbar at the same time or whatever. It really, it really, the magic kind of dissipates a little bit once you see the behind, how the sausage is made. I mean, Um, and that should be the case with all these like Instagrammy, TikToker tricksters or whatever, you know, they're doing all these moves like, oh yeah. And they turn to the camera like just first time did it all good. (laughs) Yeah, and then if you hit the crossbar, I don't know, with your back heel after doing a backflip on the 85th attempt, no one cares. It's like the dunk contest. You got, <laughs> you got one chance. You got to put it in. That's it. Um, just on, we've had we had someone actually come through on our account, and not, not just a, any someone, but someone come through on our Instagram account uh, in regards to the launch. Anna Harrington, friend of the pod, uh, mm-hmm. commenting actually on a on a certain host of ours uh, Instagram post. 
earlier this week. <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy, wowee at TNC Football at Nick underscore the Bardo. Going to need an emergency pod to discuss this bit of me time. And that is alluding to Joey's photo shoot. Uh, where the players got their photos, their photos <laughs> taken. So he, he got his me time. Hey, I gotta say, Alex does some sensational photos. Now very well taken. But Joey, mate, he was loving. I could, I could just imagine he would have been loving that moment. Oh my goodness, what a what a pinup boy, what a pinup boy for the league, Joe, yeah. Joseph Lynch. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. I mean, there were some good photos taken, good footage, like. You know, it looks slick. I do think at those events, and this is like an industry gripe, but you don't need to have as much corporate fluff about how excited you are for the new season mm. because literally no. everyone who's there is being paid to be there to cover it or attend it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we don't need to be like hyped up by the hosts on stage or whatever and, and uh, getting our ears chewed off about just how exciting the new season is going to be. Uh, just get to the meat of the sandwich. It would be my, you know, would be my advice. Uh, just a, a a quick, just going through the comments quickly before we wrap up. Julian's come through asking, any insights on Alexander Priyovich, how he's going? He's been very quiet on Instagram, maybe abducted by a UFO. I can tell you he is all good. He's actually, uh, he wasn't at the season launch on Thursday night due to illness. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think at this point, it looks like he's staying at Western United for this season, at least for this period of time now so yeah he's um he's all good he's just he missed the season launch due to illness i, I yeah. caught a little bit of western united training the other day on friday at the hangar actually um they were doing a full 11 side match and uh diamante was out there for the first time in like four or five months um uh, in proper 11 aside practice match so uh it'd be good to see diamante actually back playing and not just being like mm. the um, social media manager of <laughs> western united <laughs> um and uh, yeah, Priyavich not out there. He had the flu, um, but he, they are confident that he will be able to uh, time his run, so to speak. He won't need as long a preseason to get get up to speed. They they, yeah. re they reckon he's uh, he he probably would prefer that anyway. Well, you know you know what I like about this show, by the way, is that we can do like a full hour on the seriousness of like fascism and football and fans and stuff. If someone missed that tuned in at this point and they're asking why are people asking has a player been abducted by a ufo like this is the two sides of the coin for this show hey yeah. it's first hour second hour That's it's it. the yeah. classic like, formula it, i just feel like if you've just tuned in and you're wondering these guys seem to not be taking that so seriously first hour first hour was that point of it yeah um, just quickly, Matilda's squad got announced earlier last week for the friendlies against, uh, South Africa and Denmark. Uh, any surprises guys or much of the same based off what I could see? It looks like much of the same. Yeah. Pretty familiar group. Um, I'm frantically trying to yep. search for the, the squad. <laughs> yep, I've got... <laughs> Devano, read out some names. Okay. So we've got Mackenzie <laughs> Arnold, Steph Catley, Alex yep. Chidiak. Kyra Cooney Cross, Larissa Crummer, no. uh, Caitlin Ford, Mary Fowler. I'm going to do last names. Gilnick, Gorry, Charlotte Grant, Sam Kerr, Chloe Lagazzo, Ivy Lewick, Tegan Micah, Courtney Nevin, Polking Horn, Claire Simon, Van Egmont, Courtney Vine, Claire Wheeler, Liddy Williams, Tamika Yallop. Uh, no, because some, you've got to say the full name. Like you could say last names, but it doesn't sound right. You, know, you yeah, can't yeah, say yeah. Kerr. You've got to say Sam Kerr. It sounds 100%. better. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's the squad if um, you guys all picked up on that. I do have it in front of me. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a great deal more experimentation by the looks of things before the World Cup. I think this is kind of the, the group we're going with. Um, <laughs> this is the bed we've made. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're now uh, preparing to sleep in it. Um, I don't really. Jeez, over do that was that was the gag. Now it's tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't sleep in your bed with tomatoes in it. That can end poorly. Um, I don't really. Oh, wonderfully! I don't really get why Crummer is suddenly a, a lock. Maybe because she's of her versatility. But I didn't think she was that good last season. Mm. Uh, maybe I didn't see enough of her. Um, again, I'm always going to get on my high horse about uh, Gory and Chid starting in the same team. But I don't. I'm not confident we're going to see it. I think this is this is the team we got. Um, just before we go, guys, uh, a statement has come through from the chair of the National Indigenous Advisory Group, Jade North, in relation to what happened last night. And I quote, uh, as chair of the Football Australia National Indigenous Advisory Group, and on behalf of my NIAG colleagues, I acknowledge Football Australia's statement today in relation to last night's final between Sydney United and MacArthur and the level of noise during the welcome to country given by Erin Wilkins and other inappropriate conduct by certain segments of the crowd. Uh, I have been in contact with Football Australia over the course of the day about the incidents at the match last night. I've also taken the opportunity to gather information and speak with community members both within and outside of football. Protocols for welcoming visitors on country have always been part of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. It has long been used by our people to convey safe passage and protection of visitors' spiritual spiritual being during their journey on country, as well as a sign of respect for the country of another. It is extremely disappointing that respect for the cultures and practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders peoples is not met by some sections of Australian society today in the same spirit in which it is extended. The incidents last night caused by some individuals and groups in the stadium was ignorant and intended to drown out the welcome to country. This type of behaviour was disrespectful and must not continue in our game and attitudes must change. FA has commenced the process to investigate the behaviour of certain individuals and groups of supporters in the stadium. This incident will be considered as part of that process. I am in contact with Erin Wilkins and will continue to work with her and the local Indigenous community to support FA in addressing these incidents. Uh, so that's basically most of the most of it. Uh, it does. He also speaks about the reconciliation action plan, uh, the Uluru statement from the heart, um, and obviously as well uh, speaking about you know how uh, they the the NIAG the National Indigenous Advisory Group has a crucial role to play in the journey and are resolute in their mission and will continue to advise FA through the investigation process. But he did also say that um, last night's incidents, however, demonstrate that there is still much dialogue and educational work to be done. So that's the statement from Jade North a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think I think well said from uh, from Jade yeah. North. Uh, good to hear from an actual um, Indigenous person and someone um, with considerable standing in the game on that front. Um, and yeah, I guess we await the uh, the outcome of the investigation. But yeah, respect is is the the key word, isn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. Gents, I think it's time to wrap up. Given we are in the, the third hour of the podcast, the abduction hour, as uh, Joseph. Um, <laughs> can can you guys believe that next happy hour? Next week we're going to be able to review six games, and we're still doing two hours fifteen at the moment, and we've averaged about that all off season. It's been a long off season, but now we've got six games next Sunday, and we still haven't even previewed the season yet, guys. Like we probably should do a an emergency mm. pod. Yeah, which is good because it's a UEFA week and I have plenty of uh, time in those UEFA weeks. I'm not at all waking up at 1am uh, to get in and produce all that. 
should we just do i'm just looking at some of the questions that we got pre show on twitter a lot of them kind of have yep. been hit so apologies if it seems like maybe we're being a little bit flippant as we answer these but i feel like if we've already covered them in the first hour at least we'll just kind of refer back to that real quickly so uh one of the ones that we got in here from fantasy jackery um club sport is not about supporting a nation it's about supporting the club any imagery chance based on nations ethnicity should be banned at all club sport by football authorities and those who partake evicted and banned do you agree disagree why why not i think we kind of touched on that like Mm -hmm. no we don't necessarily agree there's a big difference between fascism and even nationalism and showing pride like in if, your... if that's the case, we shouldn't play the national anthem before the cup final either. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, uh, I think I think you I, made I don't agree about... with the kind of monoculture that that yeah that encourages. I don't I don't agree with that sort of that yeah. approach. I think that's that, I think that's knee jerk to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Edmund L. Young, he says, I'm dreading the actions of those stupid uh, Sydney United ultras have already cast Paul had already casted a poll on the A League season starting next week. Would the panel agree? Like, it, the timing is. Obviously not good, yeah. and it would be a great shame if it is like you know the. I think the wider public is not going to understand the nuances between you know the Australia Cup and the A League and separate competitions and Sydney. Like you know, it, it all gets conflated, which is why it's I guess so frustrating. Oh, we've already had some people come out and you know call last night an A League game, like yeah, you exactly. know that's exactly right, stuff. Um, Alan asked about uh, Dwight York seems to have been playing quite well we touched on um, that run them memes did ask how many matches did the billboard bandit get over the get to over the weekend Is, are you the billboard bandit Is that <laughs> no, no comment I refuse to answer that question. Hey, hey uh, I think Dubano's got off lightly this week. There've been limited surname 100%. puns and mostly uh, making fun of Joey. So, 100%. yeah. Well, look, no, I Dubano mean, in finally it. after 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 like a, a two month absolute just battering, like I can get a bit of uh, a bit of leeway here. Like you know, mate, when I was when I even when I was on bloody holiday and wasn't even on the podcast, I checked Twitter after two hours when TNC was on, and my notifications were. Flooded with puns because a you stole because a bloody you. <laughs> I couldn't tweet. I, I couldn't tweet. <laughs> you know, the best thing about it is like someone said to me, I think this week they were like, oh, you know, you make fun of Dabana, now you're making fun of Vince. Starting to see a bit of a pattern there. And it's like, yeah, if you are my friend, I'm going to make so much fun of you. Like, Joey, man, we wouldn't let Joey say a sentence and we would just make fun of his accent every time. It evolves. It, you're probably only going to get that you've, heat for a couple of weeks. You've now got, you've now got Vince Bulgari as like Vince the, Bulgari. The, the, Vince Bulgari. And <laughs> it's just like, what, how does that come from? It literally just comes from, I'm watching, um, you know, the Sydney FC documentary. I'm like, wow, geez, they interviewed him in, they've interviewed him in like a park, right? Like just on the harbour there. It's like a public area. And I'm like, nah, we can, we can have some fun with this. And people love it. The people do love it. Um, I, 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 I wish I had the clip loaded, but uh, this is anti-Italian discrimination. Yeah. So it is. It is. It is anti-Italian <laughs> discrimination. In the in the words of Jesse Pinkman, he can't get getting keep getting away with this. Like. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, if you're my friend, you will be made fun of. And by the way, my friends, oof, do they roast me? Um, Nathan Jones actually makes a pretty good point, I think. But it's a tough one to answer. 
Um, why didn't any football media highlight this as an issue before the game? We saw scenes during the semi and Sydney United is a known quantity in this area. seems like all media had their heads in the sand until it went on broadcast television. It's been a problem with them for years. Uh, I give you guys a bit of a chance to think about that. My kind of initial reaction is like, so the reason I guess I personally didn't, even though I find it abhorrent, is like the photos that I was seeing was kind of like 10, 10 to 20 people doing this. Like it, it just looked like a big bunch of losers. Like uh, I, I just, it, it did just look like a literally not many people. So it felt weird to be like, like oh, these assholes you know, we have to even talk about them before what should be an amazing final. Maybe that is naive. Maybe that is ignorant on our part. Maybe it should have been spoken about more, but that was kind of my personal feeling on why I didn't really say much. Cause every time I saw that photo, I was just like, ah, like, you know, it's a stupid group of 25, 30 idiots. I mean, it's not a strategy, but I think it was more out of hope on my part that mm. yeah, they wouldn't have this kind of, uh, thing mile the final yeah. and I didn't want because there's just so much negativity in our sport and just of course around this sport that you kind of don't want to add to it unnecessarily yeah um, and yeah. you know maybe it was turning a blind eye um, but now you can't anymore so I, I was well, I was I was just hoping that this wouldn't happen I guess and I was and hoping that they yeah, would sort it out pre-game and, and kind of I guess what the th- my thought as well is like okay there's, if there's 20 of them and they're just a you know some I don't know. And they're then, posting pictures of themselves all yeah, the time. They should be it, pretty easy to identify and, and stop yeah, them. From I agree. hundred percent. But it's also like, yeah, they shouldn't be in the stadium and that should have been sorted out. And then also like, you, I don't know. I just kind of also hoped, not a strategy, that the majority would regulate what I perceived as the minority. So, you know, there are 20 or 30 idiots in every fan base, but if they are surrounded by 10,000 people who are all doing the right thing. They're very quickly, it, it just it doesn't have as much of an effect, I guess, basically, if you're governed True. by, if, if yeah. thousands of people around you are telling you shut up and da, 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 hey, show some respect for the welcome to country or whatever it is. It didn't happen. But I guess a lot of people are saying that. Why has the media never said anything? I think these are the reasons. Yeah. Where's, where's, the, where's the draconian security when we really need it, by the way? You know, mm. where's where are the secos when mm. can they do something useful for a change rather than picking on A League women's fans and know, Matilda's fans as well a, with a tambourine? And there you know, wasn't like... a huge amount of security, which you know is my past. Yeah, and usually, like I'm pretty pro not too much security, but yeah, like and I don't know, maybe it was happening last night, but I would imagine what like the ideal thing is anyone who does that Nazi salute, all the security guards at the front just go and pick them out. All right, you're. Uh. Right. Yeah, you get and out. Like, around, they said yeah. they evicted arrested eight people or whatever. In, a, in the football state, Australia well, statement. The, they said they the, evicted yeah. eight people, but maybe the, that's not the, enough. The other thing is, right? Like you know, you mentioned about the security. Like you mentioned, you know, pickpocketing, you know, certain people for doing certain things in the crowd. I mean, you think about how small we've seen some really small incidents. Like even the Melbourne City fan during the uh, mm. semi last year when um, he spilled onto the pitch. I think it was someone like, spilled onto the pitch by accident, or I, I forgot the exact story. It was something like that, and he got dragged away. It was like. Holy, holy shit, like this guy is here by accident. Like, just let him walk back out. Um, and, you know, yesterday we didn't have that same security presence. So, I don't know. 
Um, similar to you, Josh, I mean, I just kind of hope that, you know, for a big stage, a big final, maybe things would change. And that's just my naivety and my, you know, me just being maybe too hopeful. We know hope isn't a strategy, right? Well, gents, I think we're going to, we should, we should wrap up to be honest. Have you got more questions, Saul? Dude, I know, I know you want to go. Twenty-five minute mark, mate. I'm, I'm I running know, out. Hey, I, I am, I am starving. I can smell a nice steak downstairs. <laughs> you know, it's ah, oh, stole. <laughs> so jealous. Out. Come on, mate, stole. mate. Eat, eat your pasta, there. Like you, you, you've, you've been on the pod for two and a half hours, and you've had like three spoonfuls. I'm getting annoyed. Um, you bag up his bloody tomatoes. You're not eating. Like, come on, stop. <laughs> you must eat something. <laughs> I just. I just wanted to say, um, let's finish on a bit of a weird, because I like that this show is open to everyone. Um, you know, we've got some really good questions, some serious questions that needed to be asked and some funny questions. This by far was the weirdest question. I want to share I it. I think I know you. which question this is. Uh-oh. This comes from a guy called Jim. So he just says, is my wife correct? And will I be too drunk or can I go to the round one game? So f- just off the bat, that's a huge like, wow, all right. Like, this is, what a thing to ask on a public forum. Um, he go, he explains it a little more by, like, I guess, screenshotting his own tweet, which I, I don't even know why he does that. But anyway, he explains, I was going to go to the Brisbane Raw season opener next weekend with Mr. Nine. I assume he's referring to his nine-year-old kid, not like, you know, Steve Corica's nickname is Mr. Sydney. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> name is Mr. Nine. We, we did an investigation to who Mr. Nine is. What's also weird is that he hashtags hashtag Mr. Nine. That, that, that's just, just not like, a, is that trending? I'm not sure. I love it. I love it. But <laughs> hashtag the wife, again, odd use of the uh, hashtag, but whatever. It's all good, mate. Has decided I'll probably be too drunk after going to the whiskey show earlier in the day. She's not wrong, to be fair. Mm-hmm. So I guess the second round game will be our first. Look, Jim, I cannot comment on your drinking habits. Um, <laughs> I think that's a decision you need to make for yourself. Um Good that you've tagged a league as well, just just to you know, maybe this is part of the marketing hey, this strategy. Is, hey, this is self policing. Like he, he thinks he might be a little too too cooked yeah. to get into the game. He's just letting everybody know in advance that yeah. you know they will have to breathalyze him at the gate. So um, if I you... think that's very responsible. Just don't don't as long as you're not driving. No. Yeah. You know, a little bit of pre gaming is fine, but you know, you just gotta you just, just gotta just drink responsibly it. with Mister Nine. I, you know what I like though? I like the fact that he asked us. Is my wife right or should I go to the game? Right? Imagine him trying to explain to his wife, hey, look, I know you think I'm going to be too drunk to go to the game. But these guys on this podcast, <laughs> in hour three of their show, said, don't worry about it, mate. Enjoy yourself. Have a great time. You're playing MacArthur. They're an amazing team this year. Enjoy some Daniel Arzani. <laughs> Enjoy some tomatoes. <laughs> some to- I bought these raw tomatoes. The guy kept going on about them. <laughs> you know. So, is this just- our new niche? Are we going to become a relationship advice podcast? People in the comments right now, let us know what's going on in your relationship world. We'll help solve. <laughs> no, we won't. I just no, say won't. about about the the whiskey stuff. What I'd suggest is depends what time. I mean, the game starts to get like four o'clock, five o'clock. All right, you go to the whiskey festival for a couple hours. I don't know what the the distance is from the whiskey festival to Suncorp. Taper it, like have a few. Like I understand there's temptation. Have a few. Get an Uber. Keep it going at the game. As long as you get into the game, you have a few drinks there, you know, and you'll be fine. Enjoy some good football. As we said, Azani's going to be playing. 
you know, MacArthur a box office this year, you know, and just enjoy. And then afterwards, go for a wood-fired pizza and keep drinking some more whiskey while you have some nice tomato paste on your... (laughs) Go slow. Make sure you have a nice full meal. That's the trick. Yeah, people stay hydrated. People drink too much too fast, right? Just be slow. You know, you can drink all day, all right? Just make sure there's food. Make sure you're going very slow. (laughs) A glass of water with every standard, you know? Exactly. I like what Joseph has said. Our three is like <laughs> late night TV shopping network, tomatoes, whiskey festivals, clairvoyances. I mean, you guys are watching. Like, we're just talking. Like, you guys are sitting here watching. We appreciate it. But the audience says it once more. This is what we can do. Oh, gosh. Uh, we uh, Before this could go... <laughs> I mean, if, completely... if anyone's, if anyone's going to make tomato merch, it's you run them memes. So, you know what? If you've got some tomato merch, I want to see it. <laughs> Can I just oh. say, can I just say, I love the J shirt. Oh my God. You should have seen the smile on my face when I saw the J shirt. Like, I was just like, like, it's actually embarrassing how much I like that shirt. Uh, so thank you to Run Them Memes uh, for making it. Um, J and- shirt, but then also the smooth brain Josh Parrish. Uh, you know, it's, it's logo. And I mean, yeah, so I don't know. It, it, was, it was a crazy, crazy week. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, I, I, the people's host Nick Stoll. Should we make that an actual shirt? That's what we need to know. Look, Do you, would, I, you, would you buy that? I yeah, I would. But he's. <laughs> I, mean, I know how, you would. But I know the, you would wear your no, own no. face on a shirt. There's no question. <laughs> but that's I'm I mean. asking the audience. You know what? Uh, actually, back on the uh, old show that I had, um, uh, TWG with Lucy, every now and again, my name would get on shirts and stuff. And it was very nice of the people who made them shirts and, and I really do appreciate it. But what it meant was I just literally couldn't wear it outside of the house. Like you can't wear a shirt with your own name <laughs> on it. Like, <laughs> or your own face. <laughs> like yeah, I could ne- that would be my favorite at home shirt. But the, the crazy thing was that um, when I showed Freya, my girlfriend, she didn't even read She was like, I am a photo of Che, whatever. And then I was even more like, yes, exactly. So... Anyway, shout out to the person who um, photoshopped the uh, uh, I want to believe um, <laughs> UFO image with a picture oh, of a bucket hat instead oh of the God. UFO. Genius. 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 I don't know who you are, but you, like, you are a hero. Like, you know, in a, in a, at, in a time at, of at trouble. underscore banana custard underscore on Twitter. Yeah, I don't is, know. Is who's, genius who's burner? It. Count these. <laughs> Sorry to go back on a serious note before we go. Uh, as Antonis put in the comments, speaking of Lucy, if you've not yet read her thread on Saturday's events, it hits the nail on the head. Definitely go over to her Twitter. Give it a read. It's a sensational, mm. sensational read. Um, you know, just as Antonis said, hits the nail on the head. Lucy's the All right. best. Yeah. Lucy Zelich, shout out to you. Um <laughs> <laughs> Considering it's a curriculum, Joseph says, can we do year 12 jumper style stuff with Dubano puns on the back? Are we, are we talking would, like I a would... varsity jacket or like a rugby jumper? Rugby jumper, surely. Rugby jumper with Nick the Tomato on the back. What did you <laughs> have on the, back of your, uh, on the back of your year 12 jumper? Me? Oh, oh that's a good I have to go have a look. I think it was like, yeah. I think it was just my last name. It might have been, people in high school used to call me Bano. Because, you know, they tried to anglicize Bardo. it. So they would they just call me Bardo. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Did we get this, but uh, Nick, your reaction to, um, 
was it Gil McLaughlin? I don't even know which player he was, but trying to read out Italian surnames. Oh, yeah, yeah. Petraca. Madonna. Look, guys, I hope. I think it's time for um, us to go. <laughs> yeah, it's time for us to go. I really hope people appreciate the important and difficult and, you know, I hope a nuanced conversation that we had in the first hour. Um, and, you know, I like that we have a space to do this. This is also why, like on Twitter, I didn't want to, maybe I should have, but I, I think I got to delete the original tweet, which is uh, going to pain me no end. Yes, he deleted it. But people keep misinterpreting it. But anyway, I think this is the forum for us to have these discussions. This is like the best place for us to do that. And I, and I hope the audience also appreciates that. Uh, and maybe it's the best f- forum for them to contribute as well to these discussions. Because I just think like... Twitter, Twitter, Twitter is, sucks. Every yeah, in these situations, is, is you know, just totally eradicated. So yeah, yeah, I appreciate Twi- that people have. Uh, anyone who's stuck around for two and a half hours to listen to us blatter on, mm-hmm. um, we do appreciate. And also, own. big big thanks to Bo Bush for jumping on yeah. at the start of the show. Big thanks to him, for, obviously, for ju- coming on and then PFA for teeing that up. I uh, really and appreciate that. Shout out to like, Joey Lynch for going on <laughs> yeah. with no voice. Thanks and success, everybody. Good night. Guy. He went for an hour. <laughs> Good night, um, everybody. But thanks for the success. Bye, bye guys. See, see you guys. <laughs>